0: reproduction, or other use of this broadcast or podcast without the express written consent of Spaced Out Radio or Spaced Out Radio Limited is strictly prohibited. Listener discretion is advised. From mountains of British Columbia, to you, listening around the world, this is Spaced Out Radio, with host Dave Scott. Let us play with all our toys,
1: and let us think that we're big boys, and let us make a lot of noise, but we ain't move the world, and let us think we're supermen. You
0: can follow us on our website, spacedoutradio.com, on iTunes, and tune in. Follow Dave on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio on Facebook at Spaced Out Radio Show, or on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show.
2: Are you playing with Bigfoot and Aliens again? Uh, Dad, you gotta stop haunting the goats. you scaring them.
3: Alright, seriously. Put down the pointy sticks. Okay! Game
4: on! Game on!
1: Game on! Game on. <laughs>
2: All right,
5: all
0: right, all right. Buckle up, space travelers. It's time to go for a ride on Spaced Out Radio. Mr. Bumblefoot, Dave is ready for liftoff.
2: Seriously, Dave? Really? Aren't you a little old for a tinfoil hat? I am.
5: Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, Please take your seat up the
0: perfect
6: Start. Two. One. Loose the ignition. And liftoff. off.
3: Good evening and welcome to Space Out Radio. Tonight, I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride on this Tuesday, April 11th, Wednesday, April 12th, if you're on the East Coast. Hope you had a great day and night. We are live right here in Uncle Jimbo's Cabin, right here in the Great White North, as we are live seven days a week. Welcome in everyone listening in on our terrestrial stations. WQEE 99 Rock the Key in in Georgia, home of the Walking Dead. We are live as well on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. We are live also on spacedoutradio.com, on Spreaker, on the Renegade Talk Radio, the High Plains Talk Radio Network, and on Revolution Radio. Remember, the Double R Machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Like our music? Then rock with us to Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy. Bumblefoot is the official sound of SOR. Hey, if you're a social media junkie like I am, do me a favor, give us a follow on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show, on Instagram. You can follow me at Dave Scott. S O R. subscribe to our youtube channel spaced out radio show tune us in on tune in download this show and others from itunes we're also on radio talk stream live and on stitcher of course our website is spacedoutradio.com and if you go over to patreon.com for as low as one dollar a month you can become a patron of Space Out Radio. If you want to take part in this show, sign into one of our chat rooms on our website by clicking live on Revolution Radio, on Spreaker, on the UPRN chat room, and on Facebook. If you're a valued member of the SOR Space Travelers Club, or if you're on Twitter, just go to hashtag Radio. I will get to your questions and comments in there as well. If you head to our website, for just 5 bucks a month, you can become an SOR space traveler. We also have a brand new news section called The Encounter Online that deals with everything paranormal, courtesy of our editors, Eric Markham and Everett Themer. You can also check out my latest blog there as well. And if you've had an experience you can't explain, fill out an SOR sightlines report. Our researcher, Mike Schmidt, is ready to find out what's going on. Tonight, we bring back one of our more popular guests as the ET Experience is back with our regular Samantha Mowen. And you know, this couldn't have happened, actually, at a better time, as this is a big week in Dave history. Yes, yesterday was the three-year anniversary of my close encounter of the third kind, and this coming Saturday will be the third anniversary of Samantha and I meeting each other and having one hell of an introduction with an extraterrestrial experience which we'll get into heavily tonight. E.T. contact, though, is something not many of us ever wish for. But when it happens, it could throw you for a real loop. Whether the contact is benevolent or malevolent really doesn't matter. When you see something with your own eyes that you know shouldn't exist, it changes you. Internally, and almost effective immediately, you feel different. You're not the same as you were before that moment. So we're going to get into that with Samantha as well. Samantha Mowat's website is samanthamowat.ca. Sam, great to have you back on Spaced Out Radio again. How you doing, my friend?
7: Hi, Dave. Thank you so much for having me. I'm doing really well. How are you?
3: I'm doing pretty darn good. It's always exciting when you're on the air with us because... We get a great number of questions from our audience talking everything extraterrestrial. We get to learn a little bit more from you. And you being a personal friend of mine, I'm just excited that I get three hours of you to myself and our audience, of course. But it excites me.
7: Me too. I'm always happy when we get to hang out and not have to worry about doing other things. It's perfect. Three hours of talking is always fun
3: absolutely absolutely now recently you've been a busy bee you went down to uh, california san francisco i believe to take part in a huge paracon down there put on by and fenton some very big names who've not only been on this show but in broadcasting as well tell us a little bit about the experience
7: Oh my goodness, Dave. It was absolutely amazing to get to go to San Francisco. I had only ever been in their airport before then, so it was really nice to actually get down there and get to see everyone. Lorian is an incredible host. She had a wider range of different types of speakers, people talking about disclosure to people talking about their my Lab experiences, the different extra types of different types of extraterrestrials, pardon me, tripping over my tongue. So I'm so happy to be talking about this. There were these Um, Different speakers talking about astral projection. It was just incredible. She chose people from the different faucets of ufology and she really brought them all together. The energy of the group was just amazing just they were so informative there was workshops there were lectures at the same time i wanted to be in two locations at once and i can't wait to buy the dvds to see what lorian has because realistically you have to pick between going to the workshop or going to the lecture and it's really hard to be at both at once so i can't wait to watch them all
3: what was the entire experience like because this is the biggest conference you had spoken at And you're the relative newcomer, as you know on this show, I say many a times to our audience, I believe you're the best-kept secret in ufology, but it's kind of starting to explode for you. So when people were asking about you and who you are and what you're about, what was the reaction like from a lot of people?
7: I don't know, Dave. Most people are pretty happy. You know me. When it comes to my ET experiences and psychic abilities, I'm pretty humble. I don't really see this as being beyond normal. The majority of people that I got to speak to about this, they seemed accepting of it. They were very comfortable. They seemed as though they were happy to hear everything I had to say, and they were happy to share with me, which was the part that made me more excited. As much as I love talking about my own ET experiences, getting to talk to other people, whether it's other speakers or the guests that came to the conference, is just so heart-filling Sharing your contact experience with someone really does create this bond or this kinship, this sense of understanding them. and it just it changes the way you perceive the world as you start to see just how diverse contact is throughout society, whether it's race, religion, um, economic level all sorts of things, all kinds of people are being contacted. And some of the people who shared their contact experiences with me, I had never met these groups, which is even more exciting because I felt like I was on the other side of the table just geeking out over what they had to say. So it was a lot of fun.
3: Well, I have to admit, you know, a long time ago, before you met Laurie and Fenton, or right Mm -hmm. after you met her, I remember Mm -hmm. having a conversation with her where she was like, Dave, where did you find Samantha? Where the hell did she come from? I've been looking for someone like her forever. And she was so excited. Was it one of those things when you get down there that you just feel like you're with your own people, that you feel that you're, you're accepted and you don't have to try hard? And I know you're not that type of person, but in the end, a lot of people are.
7: I really did feel like as with my own people, Dave, you know me, when I get really excited, I can't help it. I jump up and down. I'm like, ooh, yay, too much energy, just too much of a level of excitement for this world for most people. And just seeing these people who had this understanding of ufology and this understanding of the different types of extraterrestrials and how they were either experiencers themselves or researchers or just passionate about the subject. It was so exciting and refreshing. I just, I hugged so many people because I was just that excited to interact with them and to share energy with them it was wonderful
3: so when these people are getting to hear your stories for the first time and your level of contact what did you speak about first and foremost but number two maybe explain what a lot of the other speakers were saying as you met them
7: Well, what I got to speak about was the diversity of extraterrestrial and multidimensional beings. And what that means is that the majority of the beings that we have encounters with, for most people, are things such as the greys, the mantis. You hear a little bit about the Pleiadians, you hear a little bit about the tall whites or the tall greys. Once in a while, you'll hear about reptilians. But I was trying to show the diversity within many of these types of beings. I was talking as well about the Andromedans. I didn't get to talk about Lyrans, although I was hoping to. I covered a few different species of reptilians, the greys, the tans, the blacks a little bit on the greens, just trying to show how diverse these beings are, not only in their motive, but within their interactions with humanity, how they choose to perceive us, what their intentions are. And I was trying to cover a lot of information in a very short period of time. An hour and 15 minutes may seem like a lot of time to speak about this, but when you've had encounters with as many types of beings as I have, and you break that down, I looked at going, you know, that gives me about two minutes per group. That doesn't work out with an introduction, yet explaining the diversity of them. So I had to really pick and choose which ones I thought would be more relevant for people to hear about. Now, some of the other speakers, oh my goodness, Dave, it was incredible. There were a few different women that were speaking on their MyLab experiences, such as Misha Johnson, and um, this really incredible woman, pardon me for forgetting her last name, Melinda something. I'm so sorry, Melinda. Yes, thank you. It was on the tip of my mind. I could see an L. Um, Another one that was really quite impressive to hear, pardon me, choking over my words, um, was Jason Quitt. He was talking about his astral projection encounters and the different beings that he had met while going through this and the sacred knowledge he had brought forward. Oh my goodness, there were just so many good speakers, Dave, and just the workshops were incredible and informative. I felt like I was going back and forth a lot trying to get as much information as I possibly could.
3: I actually enjoy it because when you're listening off those names, I'm like, I've had them on the air, I've had her on the air, I've had him on the air, I've had her, and I'm <laughs> like, damn it, I haven't met any of them yet, and I want to meet them <laughs> so bad, but, oh, but that's, that's, that's for love another them. time. Oh, absolutely! I'm so
7: excited for you to meet these people. Me too. And me too. Dave, the best part was I got to walk home with a whole stack of books. So I'm like, oh, I'm so excited. You know me when there's books to read, I just geek right out.
3: Yes, you're, you have quite the library, young lady. You really do have quite the library. But, you know, the big thing is, I, I guess from my personal standpoint, is, mm-hmm. you know, we have played at Spaced Out Radio just such a small role, and I'm not trying to take credit here, but a small role in your growth as a very studious expert on ET contact and what happens with it, how it happens, who you've been in contact with. And, you know, I see such big things for you, Samantha, and I know many of our audience do as well, and they are in communication with you because they can contact you through the website, samanthamowett.ca. And I just feel very proud for you. And on behalf of Spaced Out Radio, I want to say we all share that excitement with you that you're having right now because, in the end, You know, this is where you got your start. This is always going to be home for you. You know what I'm saying?
7: Uh, yeah, I do. Although I, I'm sorry, Dave, as much as I want to give you credit for that, I give my credit to Johnny Enoch for dragging me out of the ET closet. Yes, sorry.
3: Yes, no, John, and, and you know he's Johnny, kind
7: of the one who earned the credit. Well, we <laughs> yes.
3: both owe we both owe Johnny Enoch. Let's be honest,
7: we totally do.
3: You know, Johnny we need forced to send you him to on come vacation. <laughs> yeah, what do you mean? He's always traveling somewhere. He should send <laughs> us on vacation for once. But you know, Johnny pulled you out of the out of the ET closet. He pulled me out of the radio closet, and he was like. Go get them, boys and girls. You know, it's time for you to announce yourself to the world. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, and it's just very impressive to see how everything has progressed for you. And uh, we're very proud of you.
7: Thank you. I feel the same way about you on Space Out Radio.
3: Well, let's get to it. Your talk, you talked a lot about extraterrestrials during mm-hmm. your your speech down in San Francisco. You didn't get a chance to talk to the Lyrans, and I already had a question for you. JP from Wolf Spirit Radio, who is carrying our show live tonight, thank you, JP, and your crowd in your chat room, he wants to know if you could break down the Lyrans for him. Good, bad, indifferent, what are they all about?
7: Well, I've only met two Lyran beings, and the two that I've met are both very benevolent, The ones that I've encountered tend to go between partial human and partial cat in appearance to showing themselves as very large cats, alternatively when I'm not as comfortable. They are not in association with me so much as working with a family member. And that's more the experience where I have with those beings. Now, they tend to be very healing. They tend to be very powerful. Their energy is quite strong. It feels like, you know, when you walk by a tiger or you walk by a lion, how it has that strength and that capability and that awareness around them. And not necessarily an arrogance, but a strong confidence within their being. It feels like being near a cat that has the intelligence of a human, yet all of that same, how can you explain it, like power and capability that the animals have now the one that I saw she tends to shape shift well they're both female but the one that I see the most we end up calling her a name that starts with an s and anyways she shapeshifts quite a bit between looking like a large cat to looking like a humanoid cat which is quite interesting to see although more often she appears appear as a large mass of purple energy in her home it's quite beautiful and quite incredible as I said she doesn't work with me so much as someone else in my family So, I would say benevolent. Yes, Dave.
3: When you're dealing with all of these different species, can you contact them, or do they just arrive? Do they just show up?
7: They tend to come and go at their own free will more than me having to contact them. Although, if I were to be going through a health issue, as I've gone through a fair bit in the last two years... But that's because of a couple of beings that I work with who aren't necessarily the nicest, whose vibration throws mine off just because we're not compatible. Now, if I'm having a health issue like that and I say, guys, you really need to come heal me. This is not working. Then they'll end up coming within a day or two. Or if I'm having issues like I'm not like, let's say I'm going through something where I don't feel safe, then I will start to see them coming around. Quite often they come and go at their own free will, but I don't tend to push my opinions or my need on them. Some people do try to have more direct communication. I just like to let let things flow organically. When it happens and it's meant to, you just find that you'll walk around your house and you'll see beings in a room for a moment. Then you'll walk back and be like, okay, I know I saw you there. Or you'll be setting your kitchen table and you'll look into your kitchen window, which is right beside, and you'll see a head that's there for a moment then gone the next. Stuff like that is really normal in my family. And we don't really think too much of it. We just go, okay, saw something, not a big deal. I don't tend to go out of my way to contact things for the very simple reason of I'm not trying to focus on multidimensionals and extraterrestrials right now, so much as I'm focusing on light beings, trying to really raise my contact back towards a really benevolent level. As I'm sure some of your um, listeners from Spaced Out Radio can tell, that I went from being quite calm and very serious when I first came on here because of some of the contact I was having made me just feel really out of sorts and uncomfortable to really working quite predominantly with the light beings and really trying to focus on the highest vibrational beings I can be in contact with. And by doing that, I'm more playful again. I'm more happy because I've got their energy around me. So I'm not trying to necessarily work with some of the lower dimensional beings because may the beings be perceived to be extraterrestrial in nature when in actuality, are multidimensional, let's say, occupying the same vibrational space as our universe, but it's a different vibrational frequency. So they don't travel by spaceship per se so much as, say, by a light ship or by orbs, things that can travel more interdimensionally or vortexes even. But, Dave, you understand that. I don't have to explain that to you.
3: Absolutely. But when you were having that that contact, whether it's benevolent or malevolent, do you feel Mm -hmm. early in the morning or maybe sometime during the day that it's going to happen? What sets you off that you know or do you know?
7: Mm, Sometimes I know, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and you'll feel that familiar vibration of extraterrestrials or multidimensionals. Let's say you have a lot of contact with the greys. You'll be able to feel their energetic signature, almost like there's a cord being formed between your auric body and their auric body. You know when someone's thinking about you, how they'll pop in your mind a lot? You'll have something similar to that happening. You'll be like, okay, I must be having a contact with this group soon alternatively, sometimes it catches me off guard, like if I'm taking my dog for a walk and I may not feel anything coming and all of a sudden I'll see this white flash of energy moving around me and I'll go, okay, what kind of being was that? And you feel it out going, okay, well, it feels like this group, but you may not necessarily feel their energy coming towards you. You may not even feel it the morning before. So it can be very inconsistent. Now, what I've been trying to do, Dave, to get a better awareness as to why it's inconsistent is I've been modifying my diet, trying to see, okay, if I have sugar, do I notice this? Okay, if I have alcohol in my diet, do I notice this? If I have cheese, okay, do I notice them? So I'm trying to really pinpoint it down as to what's going on energetically and dietarily to determine if that's a factor and whether people can perceive and know when these beings are coming or not. So I'm keeping a lot of diaries trying to get an awareness of that and if that's relevant. Sorry to go off on a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important.
3: You just go, girl. This is your show, not mine. Milo would like to know if you've had any more interaction with that reptilian that works at Walmart, of all places.
7: (laughs) No, because I've boycotted Walmart completely, and I avoid that section of the town I live in. Milo, when you see someone whose energy is that strong and who's trying to intimidate you to that level... It actually can put you in a fear-based state, which that's not a good place to be operating from. If you're emitting that kind of vibrational resonance, it's taking you away from your auric body and feeding theirs. So just like when you're in high school, if you know that you fight with someone, you tend to take a different way because you don't want to have confrontation. It's the same thing for me. Luckily, that man does not know where I live, and I've done a lot of energetic protection around my home, my neighborhood, even this part of town, trying to keep him out of it. And I'm so grateful to the universe for keeping him the heck away from me.
3: Yes, I think we've all encountered some high strangeness at Walmart once or twice in our lives. And if you haven't, you better go a little bit more often just to cruise the aisles. It is a little freaky. Let's get to another question. Dawn, who is a brand new listener to this show over the last couple of weeks. Thank you, Dawn. She is asking, how many encounters do you think you have had? Or let me rephrase that, pardon me. (laughs) How how many species have you encountered now?
7: I would say over 40. Now that I'm starting to actually break them down based upon the differences, not only in their physical appearance, but within the different groupings. You can even break down certain groups like the various kinds of greys, because I've met one variety of gray whose head branches off into two sections. And that's obviously very, very different from the greys that are small, which are very different from the greys who are tall, because you don't necessarily see them all working together. Now, you can also start breaking that down to the different kinds of reptilians, which ones are, well, I've met two different types of tan reptilians, one that was purely on the lower astral, who was more of a lighter color, and then I met the one who tried to intimidate me before countdown to contact. And you start breaking down these groups. And it's like looking at the human race. At first you go, okay, extraterrestrials. And then you start going, okay, and you think, okay, well, these ones are greys. And then you look at, well, no, that one's got white skin. And no, this one has a higher intelligence. And that one's head is different. And these ones are clothes, And these ones are found on those ships. So when I started doing that, I realized it's actually closer to 40 different types of multidimensional beings. And it took me a while going through my diaries looking at, okay, well, what have I encountered? Okay, who is it I'm encountering? And I'm starting to break that all down dumb because I'm trying to get a better idea myself when you have this many encounters with this many types of beings it's not by any means a matter of being special to these beings it's kind of like saying oh I'm the most special guinea pig because I get picked by the scientist to go through this thing no not like that at all rather they tend to really operate on vibrational frequency If you have a spike in your vibration, Dawn, like let's say you go get a Reiki attunement done or you start doing a lot of healing work on your soul, whether it's releasing past traumas, working through hurts, um, really changing your energy, whether it's going vegan, quitting alcohol, things like that, that'll shift the way that your vibration's operating. And when you do that, these different beings are attracted to different vibrations and because they're attracted to the words and they're like hey look this dawn lady her vibration changed let's go check her out let's see what's going on there and that's when you start to notice cloaked beings moving around now the cloaked beings are kind of interesting because a lot of beings can cloak their energy but even though they're able to cloak their energy you can't necessarily with every circumstance know who it is that is cloaking their appearance Sometimes we're very fortunate and we can read their energetic signature and recognize that energy from previous encounters. Now, I'm going off on a bit of a tangent again, but it's also interconnected. It gets me really excited showing how it's relatable. But when you have that vibrational shift, it changes who comes to see you. And when they have shifts in who's coming to see you, depending upon how you react to them, it can determine if they're benevolent, if they come see you again. Like let's say, Dawn, you make that change, your energy shifts, a benevolent being sees you and says, oh, ooh, yay, dawn, and you, they start to um, walk around you and you feel them. You're like, oh, okay, I'm comfortable with this. Then they'll be more inclined to come work with you and see you on the astral side when you're astral projecting when you go to sleep and start increasing the physical encounters you have with them. But if they sense that you're afraid, the benevolent ones will be like, oh, goodness, okay, sorry, sorry, too soon, we'll come back another time. And they may not come see you again for five years or ten years, depending upon what goes on with your energy. Now, that said, even though your energy can attract these beings, let's say you were to go the opposite way. And you have a huge spike in energy, but you attract some not necessarily as kind, but more meddlesome beings. You can attract some of the greys this way, some of the negative reptilians, some of the negative nordics, things like that. And they may be like, okay. Dawn's had this shift in her energy. Well, we don't like that. So we're going to send in a meddlesome relationship or we're going to create a lot of stress in her work life or something to lower that vibration again. Getting her eating those animal products, getting her drinking, getting her doing drugs, getting her in those negative friendships to kind of decrease your vibration state to being lower and back to a heavy sense. Does that make any sense? I or am I just talking is? energy no, again?
3: I think you broke it down just beautifully,
7: beautifully,
3: shall we say. Let's go to Teresa's question. She says, Samantha, when you are speaking to extraterrestrials, is it always telepathically or verbally (laughs) audible as well?
7: (laughs) They typically speak telepathically. Sometimes I speak very, very loudly at them, which can make them, you know, when someone's speaking to you and they don't realize how loud they're being because they've got headphones in and they're talking way way too loud and you kind of jump because it's like, oh, wow, too loud. If you're speaking loud verbally to them, they may do the same thing with their energy. From what I've noticed, I'm trying really hard to lower my voice to being at a quieter level whenever I sense them. Unless it is they startle me, in which case, well, that's okay. Now, when it comes to these beings, typically they will communicate with you telepathically. Look at their mouths, Teresa. Look at the way a gray's mouth is formed or an andromedan's mouth is formed or even a reptilian one. Their mouth may not necessarily have the same Ability to form words and letters, as ours do. They have their own languages. Many of them even have their own verbal languages. But telepathy, of all things, is able to cross language barriers. They may be speaking in their mind, in their alien dialect. But when it goes into your mind, it can be translated into English. Because that's more of like that consistent vibrational frequency. Let's say they were to say, hello in their language, which could be, let's say, blah, 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 blah. If they were to say that out loud, you'd be like, I have no idea what they just said. But if they said telepathically, then you'd have that comprehension. So it is easier for them to not mix things up just by speaking telepathically. That's what I've noticed, at least.
3: All right, let's get to another question. We're going back to Dawn here for a second because she's brand new. She would like to hear about your first encounter that you remember.
7: (laughs) That would be when I was a very, very small baby. Dawn, I'm someone who has a very high sensitivity to things like cigarette smoke or even really dry air. And because I'm a twin, my lungs aren't necessarily as strong as those of other babies when I was little. And one thing I remember was I could see my mother and she was trying very hard to be strong. My twin brother had died she was unaware of the fact that when she was pregnant that she had twins, and he came out as stillborn. And like any mother who goes through that, she went into postpartum well postpartum depression. And while my mother's having this, she was crying and hysterical. And I remember seeing her walk downstairs and knowing that she left me on the bed, and I was crying and I was angry. You know when babies cry till they're red in the face, and they kind of get that... <laughs> going on because they're just that hysterical and worked up i remember having this being come into the room and as it came into the room you know when something's partially in phase so you can partially see through it it's not like it's fully flesh and bone but rather it's like that energetic outline where it's in between the two dimensions now this being came up to me And as it walked up to the bed, it's leaning over the bed at this little screaming baby. And it's speaking to me telepathically. It's telling me that I should calm down, that everything's going to be all right, that I'm not going to be alone, which was all said and fine. But I was not a happy baby. I was angry. I felt like I was abandoned because my brother was supposed to be working with me in this incarnation. But he abandoned me at the last minute, so I was very upset with him for the fact I survived. And this being started singing to me in an alien dialect. And what I found interesting about this dialect is I remember hearing this dialect quite a bit when I was younger, as I was growing up through elementary school and through middle school. I would hear it sometimes in the middle of the night. You'd wake up and hear someone talking to you, but you can't fully understand it. Now, this is part of the reason which ties back to the question that woman asked. I'm so sorry for forgetting names right now, but I'm not good with them. A few moments ago about how if they're speaking with their mouths, you can't necessarily understand them, but if it's telepathically, you can. Now, as this being singing to me, my heart recognized the song. I knew it on a soul level. I recognized it from past lives. It It felt like something I knew very, very well, but you know when something's on the edge of your memory and you can't fully remember the words? That is what I was having sung to me, and I can't hold on to that memory of the exact words no matter how hard I try. I remember that... I was feeling my tongue when this being was singing, knowing that my tongue couldn't form the words, that my mouth wasn't able to. And it was just this beautiful healing experience having this being place a finger upon my chest and to send energy through its body, connecting to source and sending healing energy to alleviate the burning in my lungs, to make it so I could take a deep breath without it feeling like my lungs were on fire and to heal my heart chakra. Because when children have a traumatic loss like that, especially in the womb, They're more prone to things like SIDS and depression. But this being was trying to heal my heart chakra. That way, I could better access those other worlds. For those who are aware of chakras, um, your heart receives just as much intuitive information as your third eye and crown chakra. And so to have a well healed heart chakra is just as important as your crown chakra or third eye being open. And that's part of how these beings were able to communicate with me was by ensuring that chakra stayed healthy and open. That is my earliest
3: one. I want to get to a comment here that Dawn put out, because I think it's important, and it leads to part of our conversation tonight. She says, comment, I'm not one to get scared of this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe she is, maybe she isn't. I don't know the lady. You know, but I think it's important because we have, you know, dabbled in this subject before in regards to whether or not people really understand what ET contact is all about. What do you make of a comment like that?
7: When someone says they're not scared of it, I take that as a good thing. If someone says they're not scared, then I'm more inclined to want to trust them. Now, ET contact is a very diverse subject because there is just as much diversity within these beings as there is with us. It is important to have a degree of strength and confidence in yourself and your capabilities, as well as trusting that everything in the universe is going to be fine and that you'll be safe. It's not necessarily from a naive perspective so much as being able to see the greater picture. Now, Dawn, you saying that... This doesn't scare you. That's wonderful. You're probably pulling through a lot of your other past life information or knowledge that's around you in the collective consciousness. And that could be why you're not necessarily afraid of it, which is great. I'm very excited to hear that. Quite often, people look at ET contact and multi-dimensional contact, and they misinterpret what is going on. Many people have soul agreements with the ETs they're in contact with, or they will be incarnates of those type of extraterrestrial and multi-dimensional beings. Now, as many of you know, that um, there are star seeds upon this planet, so people who have incarnated from other dimensions, other planets, here to assist Earth. And these people are very commonly the contactees of one form or another, whether they're conscious of this or not. And they aren't necessarily scared of their contact, especially now if it's with their soul family. Although it can be a little intimidating when you meet other star groups who aren't necessarily working with your soul family. And they're coming to see you because they're curious about your energy or who's coming to see you. So I'm very grateful to hear you're not afraid. Good job.
3: I think that's great, too. And maybe she has had an encounter. Don. maybe you can let us know in the chat room. That would be absolutely great. But for a lot of people who are out there, they say, I don't care if it's benevolent, malevolent. I just want some sort of experience to prove to myself that this is real. In your opinion, Samantha, dangerous comment or not?
7: In my opinion, very dangerous comment. That would be like someone saying... I don't care if it's a healthy relationship or a dangerous relationship. I just want a a relationship. It's, it's just a bit too naive for me. And I don't mean any disrespect with that. I really don't. But if you think about how diverse these beings are, yes, the majority of them in my experience are good or at least neutral, but like everything else, we are in a duality universe at this time. So, Yes, there are some who are able to do incredibly good things for you, healing you, educating you, keeping you safe. But there are also those who are able to do tremendous bad. <clears throat> Pardon me, talking too much. So my throat's going funny. So please, if you're going to ask for contact, asking your guides, asking the universe, asking God, whoever, please ask for benevolent contact. Please make it your intention to have positive contact come into your life. Because as Dave and I both know, if you're open to any kind of contact without putting those filters on, you can have some very negative beings coming into your home and into your life. And you don't want to put yourself in that situation. I mean, Dave, you had a very negative one in your home. I had a very negative one come see me when I was in Hawaii. You don't want stuff like that happening to you or coming to see you and bugging those that live with you. It's it's not worth it.
3: I fully agree with that. And, you know, I I want to add to that for a minute. You know, Mm -hmm. if someone says, you know, red pill or blue pill, are you going to take either of them? You know, you have to be aware of your surroundings. You have to be protected. You know, it's the same thing as your mother always used to say. You know, if everybody jumps off a bridge, does that mean you have to as well? There are all sorts of sayings and quotes we can make for that but in the end when it comes to something of the unknown you're playing with fire you are playing with fire because you don't know what to expect so just be sure if you're trying to call down some sort of experience or trying to get some experience just put the energy out there and say look i don't want to deal with any bad dudes it's easy as that it really is would you agree with that samantha
7: Yeah, to an extent I would, but rather than having your first encounter with these beings being a physical encounter where you wake up and you've just invited everyone into your bedroom and you're now waking up and someone's staring deep into your eyes, maybe consider asking your higher self to let you encounter these beings on the astral form. Every night when you go to sleep, you astral project or lucid dream. When you're astral projecting, you're able to access other dimensions where most of these beings can be found anyways. In fact, most ET encounters, to the best of my knowledge, occur on the astral anyway. If they don't come collect you with craft, that is, or through a vortex. So it may be easier for you to just learn how to astral project and to think of the beings you want to be in contact with. Like, I'd like to meet the benevolent Palladians because you can find yourself being pulled towards them. I mean, we've all had encounters in our sleep where... You'll think of someone and then you'll turn around and you'll be standing in front of them. Or you'll think, I'd like to drive that kind of car or I'd like to go swimming. And all of a sudden you're swimming with dolphins or you're driving that car you want. We've all had things like that happen to us. And that is when you're astral projecting, you're able to shift your energy to finding that it is that you're seeking. Many ETs do that when you go to sleep. In fact, if they know they'd like to make contact with you and they know you've been wanting to make contact with them... They will wait till you go to sleep, and as soon as you project out of your body, they're like, hi, it's me, so-and-so. I'd really like to talk to you. You're like, oh, great, hi. And then you just carry on your way, and they'll either take you to different worlds, or they'll take you onto their craft. It's quite incredible how easy it is to contact may these beings when you take the barriers off your mind.
3: A couple questions here. Let's get to Joe's question. He is asking, in telepathic communication... Do you pick up only what the person wanted to say to you, or do you pick up everything they are thinking?
7: I think it really depends upon who it is and whether you're conscious of telepathy going on or not. Anyone who's a parent has read their child's mind before and knowing their child was going to do something or think something or say something. And then you pick up on that thought wave pattern. You don't necessarily get it all the time unless you're trained in telepathy and you're able to access it. Now, many of the beings that we're in communication with when we're encountering ETs, they're very aware of telepathy. In fact, they're able to section off parts of their minds that we can't necessarily hear it or access it. Although, let's say you are in an encounter, and you go up on craft, and you're taken in a dazed-type state, and you hear the greys talking. Now, they may not necessarily know that you're awake, so they may not necessarily filter their mind off. Do you remember in Harry Potter when, um, I think it's Professor Snape was teaching Harry how to close off his mind, that way Voldemort couldn't read it? I know it may sound kind of weird to mention Harry Potter in a show like this, Dave, but a lot of these beings are taught how to section off parts of their mind so other people can't necessarily read them or tap into them as easily. As humans, we are just really starting to blossom into our telepathy again. And because of that, it's like learning a new language. It takes practice. It takes a lot of work. You don't necessarily hear things all the time. And you'll find that when you're in the company of extraterrestrial multidimensional beings, your telepathy will go through the roof compared to what it is in your day-to-day life. Joe, you could go have dinner with your family tomorrow, and you may not pick up on anything telepathically. But let's say tomorrow night, Joe, you go up on craft, and you're surrounded by these beings. You won't have to speak a word out loud using your mouth. You'll communicate effortlessly with them using your telepathy. And the reason being is when you're around that different vibrational state, these beings are typically operating a higher vibration than us. And because of that, it is easier for us to rise up to reach the collective vibration versus when we're surrounded by heavier dimensional people or, higher, or lower dimensional entities like we are. We go down to that same vibrational state where it's necessary to speak I'm not sure if that makes sense. Sorry, I'm really not grounded. I need to ground during the break.
3: Definitely. You sound a little rough around the edges right now. You were so happy and joyous at the beginning of the show. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, let's get to another one here. Darren is asking, Samantha, what is your favorite alien species you've been in contact with? And are there any species out there that you've connected with that you like better than humans? (laughs)
7: I like almost all of them better than Earth humans. I like Pleiadians better than I like Earth humans. I love the Andromedans more than I like Earth humans. Same with the Arcturians. They're both very, very lovely. There's one variety of mantis that I'm just so happy to work with. The green ones are quite lovely. And I find that many of the ETs you meet, their vibration is just so gentle and aware and they're so conscious of what it is you're emitting and how you're feeling. And it's kind of like, think of it this way, when you meet these beings, not only are they aware of what it is you're thinking, you're feeling, you're expressing, but they have this higher awareness of maintaining harmony and how that harmonic, harmonic vibration is beneficial for their health and for your health. So they make it more of their objective to maintain being in that state and I love these beings. My one of my favorite Pleiadians, I just I keep calling her Cerex. That's part of her name. That's the only part I can pronounce. It's the only part I ever keep getting out of it. She's blonde. She's quite lovely. She, one of her jobs is kind of like a mechanic in a sense because she loves to build things and see how they work. And she's very fascinated by human technology because it's just so different from anything she's ever been exposed to. I love the beings I work with, especially some of the light beings because they're just. They feel so, it's like you're, like you're with family. It's, it's home. I can't even express how deep and collective that energy is. When you're near these beings, it is like being with family, at least for me. I don't feel at home down here. It feels like I'm living with my second or third cousins twice removed. So when I'm working with them and I'm near them, I feel comfortable which I know is so different from most people. But when you meet these beings and you have the same healing procedures done by them and they joke around, they try to tell you, these are really they're really bad with jokes, by the way. <laughs> so Dave, I think that might explain me a little bit. <laughs> but their idea of a joke is often not necessarily using words, but giving you pictures of things to make you happy in the most like obscure kind of way. Now, when they're doing this, they're obviously trying to raise your vibration. They're trying to make it so you understand them but they're not pushy with it and i don't know i just i i miss them and i have a hard time with how my contact has slowed down in the last month it feels weird to me
3: Uh, but that's okay now you know how i feel over the last couple of years you know (laughs) i i do want to get to a comment here on twitter at hashtag spaced out radio Skeptic is saying, this is my whole deal with um, experiencers. They can't turn around without bumping into ETs, but they can't show me one. I'm going to defend Samantha on this, because the next hour, the first day I met Samantha, she mm-hmm. showed me an extraterrestrial.
7: They, anyway. they kind of showed themselves. I was just there.
3: True enough. But the fact is, you said where they were, and damn it, they were there. So,
7: Skeptic, I kind of agree with you about almost everything when it comes to stuff like that. I understand the fact that, okay, experiencers have a lot of contact, but look at your very name. You're saying skeptic as your name to describe yourself. And I understand that's a word that resonates with you, but the word that resonates best with me, and if I were to describe myself as something, it would be halubious, which means controversial. Now, I understand that you're looking at the experiencers and saying, you know, I I understand that you're having these experiences, and I'd really like to have one. But maybe it's the way in which your energy is presenting itself that could be off-putting to many of the extraterrestrials, especially the benevolent ones. I don't mean that in a condescending way, but rather I mean it in the Like attracts like. So if you're skeptical about extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, then your energy is going to be at a resonance that is not compatible for them. So why would they come see you? Why would they take an interest in you? Even if they are seeing an experiencer five, six, seven times a month, why would they choose to come into that experiencer's presence when you're with them if that is your vibrational resonance? Everything is energy. As said by Nikola Tesla, Albert Einstein, All the greatest minds throughout history have been aware that energy is the foundation of the universe and that if you wish to attract something, whether it's an extraterrestrial encounter, a million dollars, that dream vacation or the perfect spouse, you have to make it so your energetic resonance is compatible with achieving such. Otherwise, it is not going to happen. Now, that is why I'm focusing on raising my vibration again in order to have nothing but good contact come back into my life. I asked for my vibration to shift so that I could meet the other beings that other people met. And by doing so, I met many different types of beings. Some that were benevolent, a lot that weren't necessarily kind, some that were misunderstood. And I'm very grateful for that. But now I'm changing my energy again. So maybe you should think about changing your Skeptic. That way you can draw these beings in.
3: And I do have to say that Skeptic is here every single night on this show. I know he's a fan and and, you know, he just wanted to learn, it, you know, and this is a gentleman who has absolutely, and I'm, I'm going to defend him here for a second, because here's a gentleman who who absolutely is here every single night, listens to a lot of radio, and he's heard a lot of people come on the show, Samantha, not the, just this show, but other shows as well, who, who tend to describe everything that... You know that is supposed to be happening—the peace, love, light—you know all of this woo-woo type stuff, if we can use that term. So, I don't blame him for being a little sick of it at times. (laughs) I really, I really don't, because for some people, it's just—it's too much because they've heard too many people preach, but not enough people prove. And the one thing that I love about you, Samantha, is that you do have the ability to prove, and I think that's just masterful.
7: It's entertaining. If nothing else, it's entertaining. But skeptic, I'm serious when I say shift your vibration. That's one thing I noticed with some of my family members where they'll have contact a lot up until they're in their mid-teens or their mid-twenties with some of them. And at which point their vibration goes from being higher, as many children have their vibration, to being lower because they, want, they become fearful of their encounters or they try to fit in with society and therefore they start drinking, doing drugs, whatever, to numb out. And as soon as their vibration shifts in that manner, their contact either disappears or the benevolent disappears. So it really, it is really all about energy. I'm definitely not trying to be insulting, but I'm obsessed with energy for a good reason.
3: Absolutely. Let's move on here. Let's get to another question. John Teeter is asking, Samantha, in your incarnation, what star system have you come from?
7: In this incarnation, Pleiades and Lyra are the two most consistent ones. Although I know I've been in the Andromedans before. Or Andromeda, pardon me. Although, I I should mention one thing. When it comes to people wanting to learn their star system, if you don't feel it right away in your heart, there are quite a few different ways you can find out which star system you gravitate towards. Like, which one do you look at when you look in the night sky? Grab out your star app. Look at which star system you're really drawn to. Whatever one feels the most homey and the one that you have the most connection to is probably where you're from. I looked at the Pleiades for years going, oh, wow, that's like there's the big dipper, the little dipper, then the teeny dipper, because that's like the really micro one. It's so cute. And it wasn't until years later that I found out that was the Pleiades. And I thought, oh, okay, that's cool. I like that name. Why does it feel familiar? And then I started asking some of the beings, okay, well, where are you from? Where are you from? They kept showing me that star system. I'm like, you're from the really small dipper. And then when I looked up, I'm like, oh, right, the Pleiades. Thank you. So it's quite entertaining. For sure.
3: For sure. We only got a couple of minutes left here before we got to go to break. We got about two and a half minutes, but I want to get to Shara's question. And she is asking, Samantha, if you can block your thoughts, how do you do it?
7: I normally focus on one thought and I just keep holding that thought. Shar, when I'm having, let's say, some beings that are being really negative towards me and they're putting me under psychic attack, I will grab a crystal and I'll just stare at the crystal and I'll just keep trying to see that in my third eye more than anything so things can't read into my mind. I've tried putting up a box around my head, like, uh, like a mental block or a box inside my brain, like your third eye. It It didn't work for me. Some people have an easy time doing that. For me, it doesn't work. So I find that visually focusing on something, and then when I close my eyes, try to see as many of the details as I can, and just focusing heavily on my clairvoyance on one image, is the best way that I'm able to block my mind so that other people can't read it as easily.
3: And we got time to squeeze in one more here, so we got about a minute. Catherine is asking, what is the purpose of of light downloads?
7: That's a really good question. Light is information. So that would be an information download. Typically, when I receive downloads, they go in blocks into my mind. It feels like I'm having an entire cube of information going in, and it's like a few different areas are being activated at one time. Most of my information comes through clear cognizance or clairvoyance, so just a general sense of knowing, not really knowing why I understand the information, but just knowing that it's true, as well as seeing the image in my mind. Now, when it comes to having a light download, that sounds like a higher vibrational download of information. So that would mean beings that are of a much higher vibration than, let's say, fifth and sixth density. I would think higher than that light for it to be downloaded into your brain would be a very massive thing you must be receiving them regularly or you'd get a headache so a lot of people when they get downloads of information they'll get this huge sense of knowing and then if they're getting too much information at once they will get headaches unless they ask the beings to slow it down a bit and have it trickle in so it depends on your vibrational resonance as to what you're able to perceive at that time Now, if you can take the information that you're sensing and you write it down, you may be able to better understand it because a lot of people get downloads of information. And then when they have it, it's just kind of in their head and it's too much to really understand it once they try to break it apart. And as they do that, they tend to suppress some of it or not acknowledge it. So when I start to get a download, I try to write out or draw as much as I can just to allow the information to keep circulating and flowing. It makes it a lot easier for me
3: and on that note we are going to hop out for our first break of the night here on space out radio samantha Mowat is our guest the et experience happens the second tuesday of every single month we will be back with more samantha moat for the next two hours right after this
5: From coast to coast to coast, Blacklight Uncharted is taking on the paranormal across Canada. From ghostly hauntings to the UFOs flying above in conjunction with MUFON Canada, we are closely investigating what's going on in the northern skies and checking out the apparitions that walk among us. Check out our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com. We want to know your thoughts, we want to hear your experiences, and we want you to share your stories. The answers are out there, and we intend to find them.
2: Would you like to become one of our Space Travelers? All you have to do is click on the Space Travelers icon at spacedoutradio.com. For only $5 a month, you can get access to some great prizes as well as private monthly shows, newsletters, and a members-only section on our website. Become a Space Traveler today.
3: The third Monday of every month, Spaced Out Radio is going to bring you a different look at everything paranormal. Welcome to The Reporters. Jim Mallard, Vanessa Hogel, Denise Garcia, and Christina George join me dave scott for a look at the weird and strange from the other side of the microphone we'll break down ghosts ufos cryptids and the people investigating them the paranormal media has never been heard like this come listen to the reporters
8: it's paranormal news at its finest welcome to the encounter At SpaceOutRadio.com, The Encounter Online is SOR's trusted news source for everything weird and strange going on around the world. This is news editor Eric Markham. Our team of journalists are scouring the planet for those strange stories that rarely make the mainstream. No fear-mongering or fake news here. Head over to SpaceOutRadio.com and encounter The Encounter.
9: For over 40 years, the Purple Energy Plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers. Inspired by the great genius Nikola Tesla, the harmony, healing, and energetic effects of the plates have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers. With their money-back guarantee and the many benefits, how can you afford not to get one? Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit, and expect a miracle.
6: Are you interested in advertising on Spaced Out Radio? Head to our website at spacedoutradio.com and click on our advertising tab. There, you will find an assortment of ways you can get your product out there with us, from radio commercials to banners and social media, have a product you like our hosts to endorse? We can do that too. Visit spacedoutradio.com for more details.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET Experiencer, Spirit Medium, and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend, I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on SpacedOutRadio.com.
5: From British Columbia to Northern California, Pacific North Weird has Cascadia covered. Check out our feature videos at SpacedOutRadio.com, where I, Vincent Zunza, and my super sleuth partner Alexandra Sullivan track down the weird and strange stories from around the Pacific Northwest from Bigfoot to Mel's Hole, and everything in between. This is what makes life exciting. So why report the normal when we can report the Pacific North Weird right here at SpacedOutRadio.com. Oh, there's only one way to rock. Loud and proud. In high
2: definition, Radio 702 Rocks, Las Vegas.
1: Every Saturday and Sunday night as Dave Scott wanders aimlessly in the wilderness. You can come hang out with me, James Tyson, and Spaced Out Weekend. starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern. I'll take you along as we talk with some of the best experts in their fields. SpacedOutRadio.com is the place to find us. So sit down, relax, put your feet up. Enjoy the topics like the paranormal, supernatural, intuitiveness, and so much more. Hope to see you there
2: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live wherever you are the car the office the shower or even if you're traveling we're right here for you each spaced out radio show can be found on itunes TuneIn, and on our youtube channel spaced out radio show it's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows for more information just head over to our website spacedoutradio.com and tune in to us today
0: The views and opinions expressed by tonight's guest and topic of discussion do not necessarily represent the official policy or position of Spaced Out Radio. Spaced Out Weekend, Spaced Out Radio Limited, its hosts, syndicated carriers, or anyone associated with this broadcast. Would you like to connect with us? Head to SpacedOutRadio.com for all your latest show info. And hit us up on Twitter using the hashtag spaced out radio now back to dave scott and sor
3: welcome back to the second hour of space out radio tonight i am your host dave scott good to have you with us tomorrow night on the program Lorian fenton is going to join us in hours two and three the first hour i will be joined by eric markham we're going to talk about experiences paranormal ufological extraterrestrial cryptid all starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at spacedoutradio.com. Hope you can join us. We want to welcome in everyone listening in on WQEE 99 Rock the Key down in Noonan, Georgia. Really appreciate you tuning us in, the home of the walking dead. We're also live on the United Public Radio Network on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Thank you for putting us... On for your nighttime entertainment. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio, and if you're listening in on Revolution Radio, remember the R machine is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Profluvium. Profluvium is your password. So make sure you use it wisely, Space Travelers, as that is your password of the night. Now, if you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio, and also use the hashtag, Spaced Out Radio, like John, Deb, Les, Skeptic, Lone Wolf, Canadian Joe. You guys are firing hard tonight. I love it. Keep it on up. Thank you so much for being with us. We also... Want you to give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on Tune In. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on RadioGuide.fm, TalkStream Live, and on Stitcher. Our website is SpacedOutRadio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. For just five bucks a month, you can also hit up patreon.com for as low as a dollar a month. You can become a patron of the Mighty SOR. Tonight, we are talking with Samantha Mowat. The ET experience happens the second Tuesday of every month. Samantha's website is samanthamowat.ca. Samantha, welcome back.
7: Thanks, Dave. I'm excited to be here.
3: Got a few more questions for you from our audience here, if you don't mind before we get into something really, really cool, which is what happened just a couple of years ago between you and Mm -hmm. I. Let's get to Joe's question here first. Joe is asking, Samantha, what can we do to remember our astral travels and encounters?
7: Oh, well, that's super easy and super fun, Joe. I would like for you to go to any store and buy a journal. I don't care if it's a cheap dollar store journal or a really nice one. What you're going to do in order to remember your astral travels is, let's say tonight before you go to bed, you tell your mind, I'm going to remember what it is I encountered tonight. And just repeat it two or three times to kind of set it into your subconscious mind. Now, go to sleep as you normally would. And when you wake up tomorrow morning, or let's say you wake up in the night, and you don't necessarily remember all of your dream. But you remember a portion of it, whether it's you remember seeing someone wearing the color red or you remember that someone was really happy to see you or you remember that you were running or anything like that. Write down any detail, no matter how insignificant it may seem to you. Now, the reason behind this is you're actually training your mind to hold on to that energetic vibration of what you encounter when you're astral projecting. Now, as you start to do this, you'll notice that In the first week, you might not remember a lot. You might only remember a little bit. So let's say a couple words. I remember someone in red, or I remember there was a big tree, or I remember it was nighttime. But next week, you'll be able to pull through more details. And as you keep doing this, over the course of three or four months, you should be able to go from remembering very small details to remembering most of a dream encounter. Now, I call them dream encounters because that's just an easy way for me to know that it's something that occurs in a astral projecting rather than a physical encounter. And as you start to do that, you'll be able to pull not only more energy and more information through, but you'll have more control over your astral projection encounters as well. You'll be able to control where it is you go, what it is you choose to see, and what beings you encounter. Now, that doesn't stop beings from finding your vibration and coming to communicate with you. But by doing this, it'll change the way your energy is operating and you will become a lot more interesting to more beings and therefore they'll be more inclined to talk to you. So write it down, nice and easy. Just make a habit of it and you'll pull it all through.
3: Mm -hmm. Let's get to another question from Joe here. He says, as a former musician, is he able to find that vibration a lot easier than most?
7: I would say yes, because musicians tend to be aware of how the vibration of each chord feels in their body or each note, depending upon what kind of musician you are. If you want to learn how your energy is resonating, take a moment, get comfortable, and just close your eyes. Start at the top of your head and work your way down to your feet. Where are you holding tension? What feels uncomfortable? What feels like it's just at ease? Does anywhere feel sore or stiff? Move your body. Feel how it feels for a moment as you get yourself comfortable. And then as you do that, you're actually able to start to feel more of the energy around you. Once your body, like you're aware of your body's vibration, start to feel what's around you within a foot or two. Joe, you'd be much better at this because you're able to ground yourself and naturally just be more aware of what the energies are, especially because you'd have that musical ear. You can sense how the vibration of the music is really pulsating and how it changes, which would make you more in tune to what's moving around you. So definitely pay attention to what you encounter in the next month, Joe. You'll feel when things are near you.
3: Mm -hmm. Let's get to Deb at hashtag SpaceOutRadio on Twitter. She is asking, Samantha, when you see extraterrestrials, are you seeing them in person or in your mind?
7: Sometimes in my mind, quite a bit in person. My most common thing for noticing extraterrestrials, especially when they're around us, is I'll be doing something and you'll see them out of your corner of your eye for a moment. So let's say... Deb, like earlier this week, I was walking by the bathroom. And as I'm walking by the bathroom, I look and I thought I saw someone standing by my shower. And I step back and I start to see this partial energy formation that was standing there. But a moment before I had seen more of a physical form. So I thought, okay, someone was more comfortable. My third eye was more relaxed. And that's why my physical eyes were able to physically see them. There's a very strong connection between your third eye and your physical eyes. And when you start to really work on your clairvoyance, you'll start to see auras at first in your mind, and then you start to see them in your eyes. Now, Deb, it's the same thing with seeing these beings. When you first see them, you may just have the impression, like, Dave, you can probably get impressions when you can sense that there's a gray nearby outside, or if you start to feel any other type of entity outside, you can kind of get that impression in your mind. But quite often, people will start to just have a flash of the image in their head. Now... With me, it's a little bit different because I I really love energy. I try to be very aware of what's going on within my home, and and I'm out in the woods a lot. So when I am walking out there, I'm always looking, going, okay, keep my eyes relaxed. What's happening in my peripheral? What's happening in front of me? By having your eyes in that relaxed state rather than than that direct focused eye state, you're able to perceive more And I know it sounds kind of funny because when you relax your eyes, they go slightly out of focus, but your eyes actually pick up on more intuitively, like more of the multidimensional things when they're out of focus. And that's why many psychics take off their glasses to read auras or to see who's standing behind someone. It's a very common thing to open yourself up more intermentally by taking your eyes out of focus.
3: Let's get to Darren's question here. Darren is asking, do you think Jesus could have been an extraterrestrial?
7: I think it's more likely. He was very ahead of his time when it comes to his energetic vibration, his intentions for the world, him saying we're all of the same family. Why are we hurting each other? Let's all be nice to each other for a change. To me, that seems like a multidimensional being, not at all like humanity in its state of consciousness two or so thousand years ago. So I would say yes, most likely a multidimensional.
3: All right. Shar is asking, is there a way to know if they are reading your mind
7: Not to the best of my knowledge unless you have them in person with you. You may have an inkling char where you feel a certain group occurring in your mind over and over and that could be an indication that they're trying to communicate with you and maybe reading your mind. Or you may feel their energetic vibration. Like, let's say, Char, right now you were to feel the energetic vibration of a craft. And then you may start to have the feeling of someone being aware of your thoughts and what it is you're thinking. In which case, yes, you'd be aware of their thoughts. But in your day-to-day life, if you are oblivious to what's going around you, you may not necessarily notice it.
3: Getting back to Deb at Hashtag Space Radio, she says, Seriously, Sam, why aren't you wearing a camera so everyone could share your experience.
7: Deb, I have children. And as with all people with children, I have young children. And if I have a camera on me 24-7, how often is that going to catch my children half naked or doing odd children things? One, I do not go on social media outside of YouTube, and that's only to share my ET experiences. But you can't find me on Facebook because I'm a very private person. Two, I... I would not be willing to have a camera on all the time because if it puts my children's appearances on there, I'm uncomfortable with that. Three, that'd be considered child pornography. And four, I'm a bit of a – I don't like having a lot of technology on me all the time. Dave, you told me, what, 2014, have a camera on you all the time, take pictures all the time. And I tried it, but I don't enjoy doing that. It kind of takes you out of that relaxed state where you see things naturally and have things around you to having yourself in that state of, okay, well, I'm looking through the lens. I'm not really living. I'm living through a lens. I don't enjoy that. I know there are a lot of people like, I think it's um, Stan Romanek who does that quite a bit by taking pictures, but that's not how I operate. I'm trying to get better at it and I will certainly try my best to do that for you, but I can't have it on me 24-7. I This is going to sound weird, but I don't like wearing cameras and I don't like wearing, I'm not even going to finish that sentence. Sorry.
3: That's all right.
7: I'm pretty sure you can tell where I'm going with that. Uh,
3: Absolutely. Brian (laughs) says, hi, Samantha. What does it mean when you dream in high definition?
7: Well, that's what most of my dreams are like. Brian, it sounds like you're astral projecting. When some, The difference between a dream, like a normal dream, is apparently most people dream in black and white. I've only had two black and white dreams in my life, but according to most people I've, that I've met, they've said their dreams are always in black and white. When you're lucid dreaming, so not in control of your dream necessarily, like let's say you're just staying on this dimension, you'd be lucid dreaming, and that's when you can start flying, or you can just play with energy or manifest things rapidly. But when you're astral projecting, it's different. Again, astral projection is when you're having that high definition dream. You're seeing multidimensionally colors are more vibrant. Things are more alive. You can sense the energy off them. You can communicate easily. Things are done telepathically and in rapid time. It's not like lucid dreaming in the sense that you can't dream. You have a castle in front of you and all of a sudden you have one. But when you're astral projecting, you can actually walk around this world and see things in their true energetic form. And when you're having those high deck dreams, you are in that astral projection state. So please don't let people convince you that you're just dreaming if you have that kind of encounter. That's not what it is. They're actually broken into different levels of consciousness. So good job. You're raising your vibration. Yay.
3: And Brian, welcome. Good to see you back in the chat room. Haven't seen you there in a while. Dawn is asking, Samantha, do you have Twitter or Facebook? No, Samantha is not Mm -mm. on social media.
7: Just YouTube.
3: Exactly. Catherine has a pair of questions. She is asking, so with the popular currency, have you drank any non-terrain ale or any beverages off-planet?
7: I've had some food with these beings, but typically it looks like it's more of a water-type substance. During my my lab encounters, that's a different matter altogether, but with benevolent beings, no, but you're also not really hungry with them either. They'll, when I've had stuff with them, it's, it's kind of like more of a drink, but it looks more water-based and more light-based, like it's heavily infused with energy. The best way I could describe it is kind of like thick water with uh, not necessarily rainbows within it, but you know when you look at a crystal, like a clear crystal quartz, and you see those partial rainbow-esque hues? It's kind of like the water's infused with that, which means it's a higher vibrational water that's very pure. That's the closest thing I've drank from them. But I've never seen them drink alcohol, but that doesn't mean they don't have it, if that's what you're asking.
3: Hmm. Let's get to Catherine's second question. She is saying, then what is with the spirit-animal connection and non-Terrans?
7: That's interesting, because when it comes to spirit animals, I, that's one area where I have a bit of an issue. Because I've tried to meet my totem animal on quite a few occasions, and all I keep having come forward is extraterrestrials and fairies. I know that some people, when they're trying to do animal speak and connect to their totem animal or spirit animal, they'll have something come forward. But I haven't had that happen for me. That doesn't mean it doesn't happen. It just means it didn't work for me. I don't know enough about that to really go into it deeper.
3: All right. Let's continue on here. Because this is always a fun show with you. On Saturday, April fifteenth, it will be exactly three years since you and I met at about one thirty in the afternoon in Mission, British Columbia. Mm-hmm. And that's where, about twenty minutes after you and I met, I was looking a little rattled because just five days before I had had a close encounter of the third kind. On this property. And you and I walked back there. I got to tell you Samantha. That was probably. One of the most important. And life changing days of my life. And. I, I remember it. Much like yesterday. And you and I have talked about this quite a bit. I think we beat beat it up. Left right and center. But we do have. A lot of people who were just tuning into this show for the first time. And mm-hmm. I think it's it's important to to signify when a an anniversary of something of substance comes through. So that's why I wanted to talk about it tonight. And believe it or not, I didn't even remember until literally the last three minutes of last night's show.
7: Well, I'm really glad you remembered, Dave, because I completely forgot. But you know what? It's a beautiful encounter. Like, that was the first time you and I got to meet each other. It was a beautiful day. Well, we got to walk in the woods. We got to see dogs. We got to see two beautiful beings. How lucky are we?
3: Well, you got to see two. I only saw one. So let's break this down, okay? Five days previous, on April 10th, 2014, I thought I was having a migraine. And we were over at a friend's house, and they have 10 acres in the backwoods of Mission, British Columbia, and there's only two houses on their street. Their neighbors, an elderly couple, usually went to bed around 9 o'clock, and this was about 9.30, I'm sitting in their house on their couch, and I thought I was having what I thought was a migraine. Little did I know that it was actually shapes pulsating in my head, and At the end of it, which took about half an hour, I had an anxiety attack that I needed to go outside. So me and one of the owners of the house, we went outside to their back field where they had an old horse fence. And little did we know that there would be a UFO lighting up its lights about 100, 150 yards away from us. So I barely slept for the next five days because when you have something like that happen, you really, really do not know how you're going to react or how it's going to affect you. And so when I met Samantha on that date, we were told that we were going to be meeting a new ET contactee friend by the owner of the house, and she wanted to hear the story of the extraterrestrial. And I got to admit I was a little bit jumpy, I was a little bit nervous, I really wasn't into tea time with a bunch of hens, and I wanted to get outside to try and figure out this puzzle that had happened to me five days previous. Now about 20 minutes in, Samantha, you actually made a comment that was basically like, do you want me to come with you because you look a little rattled, or something along those lines. Do you remember that?
7: Yeah, I asked if I could go with you. Because I remember you looking at Mrs. S.O.R. and the other woman saying, you can come, but you can't come and you can't come. I thought, okay, cool, let's go.
3: So we walk back into this open field, right across from where this UFO had landed five days previous. And we start, you, pardon me, start picking up the energy from this UFO. And there were four dogs running around us, my two dogs and the farm's two dogs. And in behind the properties, there was a forest. And what happened then was, I remember Samantha saying to me you, that you were picking up something in behind in the forest. And you were asking me whether or not I was ready to see anything else. And I remember taking a deep breath and letting out a big sigh and using a couple of swear words and said, why not? After what happened just a few days ago, why not? And then you made an interesting comment that you said extraterrestrials don't like dogs, so you're not sure if they were going to approach or we'd be Mm -hmm. able to see them. And I found that odd because I had never heard that.
7: Yeah, but a lot of ETs don't like dogs, Dave. Think of it. Dogs are very protective of their humans. Why would they feel comfortable with something that they may not necessarily be able to control?
3: Hmm. True enough. So we start to walk towards the forest. And the next thing you know, the four dogs run in there before us. And you and I, you're trying to calm me down because I'm sitting here uh, walking a little stiff and rigid. You know, I'm nervous. I'm not going to lie. I know what's in there. And we walk about 40, 50 yards into the forest when we look around, and all four dogs are gone. They just disappeared. So then we continue on in the forest, and this is about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Not a cloud in the sky, not a kid around, because they are all in school. No breeze. No breeze, no nothing. A perfect, warm spring day. Mm -hmm. And we come to this opening under the canopy of the trees. And you stopped me at this opening, and I will never forget you saying this to me. You said, okay, Dave, I want you to stop right there, and I want you to look that way. And you pointed north, and then you said, and tell me what you see. And, and I told
7: you you had to calm down, Dave.
3: Exactly. <laughs> Don't
7: forget about that part. Exactly.
3: Exactly. So I remember taking a deep breath, and I turned to my left, and I looked north. And there about 200 feet in front of us in the middle of the day is a 10 to 12 foot extraterrestrial standing there. And I remember saying, Samantha, what the F is that? What the F is that? What the F is that? Internally, I was absolutely blown away. I could not take my eyes off of this being. When you see something like that for your first time in the middle of the day, eyes wide open. There's no napping. There's none of this nighttime that crap that could be a dream or could be some sort of mental fallacy. Okay, this is eyes wide open, two o'clock in the afternoon, and here, two hundred feet in front of Samantha and I, is this ten to twelve foot extraterrestrial. What do you remember? And the second one
7: showed up. It was beautiful. I saw the E.T. as it was. It just looked like a tall Andromedan to me, Dave. Had these big, beautiful black eyes, this muddy brown skin, just staring at us straight ahead. And the second one showed up a couple feet behind it. It looked like it was, I think it was a little bit taller, if I'm not mistaken. I'd have to check my diary, because I wrote everything down, but Dave... They were just very gentle. That's why I felt that urge to walk along the ravine. And then I remember you had called me back to come over by you. because you wanted to go look back that way. And that's when I stood on the stump. And that's when we saw the ETs.
3: Mm-hmm. And I remember fully being there, mm-hmm. hanging out, looking at this thing. And then the second one, which I did not see because my eyes were so fixated on this on this tall creature, he starts telepathically communicating with you.
7: Yeah, he was pretty nice. He said that he was excited to meet. He was very happy to be there, but you made him a little bit nervous. He was worried about your heart. He was a little bit fearful of you because your energy was all over the place, and understandably so. When humans are encountering something that is taking them out of their degree of comfort or what they're accustomed to, we can be very unpredictable, as can the dogs, mm. which is part of why the beings sent the dogs away. And that's also part of the reason why when I was driving up there, I felt craft so that I would feel comfortable. I didn't know if I was encountering them that day or that night, but I knew that I'd be seeing them soon. But, Dave, that's the difference between our energies is I'm more <laughs> – it's not that I'm more comfortable necessarily – so much as I'm more accustomed to it. Mm -hmm. Whereas with how you were at that time, Dave, you can see why these beings were concerned about you taking a heart attack if they walked right up to us.
3: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. But the big fear of that moment Mm -hmm. wasn't so much seeing them. The big fear in that moment is, I'm looking at my life, and you literally go through, or at least I did, went through this entire lifespan of my 40 years, because I'm 40 years old at this time. I was a month away from my 41st birthday, so if you're getting me a present, May 24th is the day. Please send it courtesy of Dave Scott. I'll give you my address later. Anyhow, in my 40 years, everything that I had learned up until that point now seemed irrelevant because 200 feet away from me and you, There is something standing, staring at me that is not supposed to exist. And I think almost anybody would look at that and say the exact same thing. And they would probably feel the exact same way. Because when you're staring at something that you've been taught is not supposed to exist. And I realize that is different for you, Mm -hmm. Samantha, because you've had a lifelong of contact. But for me, I was absolutely torn apart inside. I didn't know what to believe. I didn't know whether I should laugh or I should cry. I didn't know Mm -hmm. whether I should have been scared and run away or whether I should have went up to them with you and said, Hi, how you doing? I'm Dave. Can we go for a beer? I think we need to talk.
7: (laughs) Yeah, but Dave, do you remember how I started to walk forward and you put your hand, I think you put your hand on my arm and was like, no. Because I wanted to walk over and see them.
3: I know exactly what you were doing because you were like, come on, let's go say hi. And I'm like, no. And you said, well, I'm going to. And I said to you, <laughs> and I remember saying to you, don't, <laughs> don't, you leave, leave me. <laughs> don't you leave me here because I am not going back to the house without you trying to explain that one. <laughs> and, and literally, literally it was a, you know, for all intents and purposes, we laugh about it now. We can look back on it now. But it was a traumatic experience.
7: Yeah, but Dave, they would have just hugged me. It wouldn't have been a big deal. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, but... You, when yes.
3: It- but, but put yourself in my shoes, my dear. Put yourself in my shoes where that was my first time.
7: Yeah, but you needed that kind of experience, as do most people, to take them out of their current comfort zone in reality with their perceptions of where they think Things are when it comes to sciences, the religion, the whole, let's say, perception of how the world works and how things are run. And they need an experience like that to shake them to their core, to make them see that the world is not only completely different than they thought they knew, but more incredible and more evolving than they ever thought possible. The depth that is going on on our planet is just Oh, I'm at a complete loss of words right now. It is incredibly, incredibly complicated. Look at your nature reality, Dave. You've had these contact experiences. If you didn't have that one with me on April 16th, 15th, somewhere in there, 15th, yes. then thank you. Well, if you didn't have that contact experience, would you not have been able to, given time, rationalize the experience you had with that other woman and said, no, maybe it couldn't have been that. Maybe we were wrong. Maybe I misinterpreted it. Do you not think you could have, with time, dismissed that encounter if you didn't have one as intense as that following within the same week?
3: You know what? I, I really don't know. I mean, to go from having a craft land and light up 5 days previous to seeing this encounter with you I have mm-hmm. to I have to admit 3 years later I can I could tell you right now I would absolutely 100% go up to it and it's funny cuz Jolene and I have actually had this conversation And believe it or not, as stupid as this sounds, listeners, when you have an encounter like I have had or something like Samantha has had, I actually had that conversation with my wife. And I told her point blank. I said, you know, if that happens again, I got to go. I have to. I have to know. Just like all of you, like all the skeptics out there, and I'm not taking shots at anybody on Twitter or with Skeptic or Lone Wolf or anybody out there. This isn't about being skeptical. But honestly, I'm as skeptical as they come to. I've just experienced it. And I now need to know, Samantha. I need and I yearn for that type of encounter to happen again. I don't know If it ever will again. But it changed my life. And at times, I wonder if it changed my life for good or for bad. Because I really don't know anymore. But I could tell you this. In my backyard, Mm -hmm. in the green belt, and you've been to my house. Mm -hmm. If a ship landed there right now, at this moment. Or if I look out my window, and there's another extraterrestrial standing there. And I get the feeling... Because you could tell whether they're benevolent or malevolent, and mm-hmm. I and I get feel the it. feeling that it is something that is benevolent. I gotta go. I have to. I don't care if it's if it's right during this show. I'll get out of my chair and leave. Right. Try to
7: say goodnight night first, David. That's the case. Well,
3: you know, I mean, would you have time? But on the flip side, you don't, you know, you don't know. Are they bringing you back? Are they not? Will they, will it be benevolent? Will it not? I really don't know. But I do know this. Human curiosity tells me I have to go.
7: Well, that's where it's really important to trust that inner knowing within yourself. If, like, if your gut feels as though it's heavy or as though something about this isn't quite resonating or doesn't quite make sense, then if you have that pullback feeling on you, trust that something in it isn't right. But if it feels light and it feels like it's calm and like it feels safe, then it's all right to proceed. Always trust the energy that you get because energy doesn't lie. Your ability to perceive something is greater than you'll ever know. And the most important thing you can do, especially when you're having contact, Dave, is to trust the energy you get because you'll be able to read the intentions and the motivations of the beings who are coming into contact with you. So please trust your energy.
3: Absolutely. And and this gets to Lulu's question here. She goes, Dave, how could you leave your real family? Hashtag Richard Dreyfus, which is obviously from Close Encounters of the Third Kind, hashtag Space Out Radio. Lulu, it's because my wife's an experiencer as well. She's been taken. My little guy has been taken. Thankfully, our daughters have not. And it's one of those things where, you know, my wife is so cool, she would understand. Add to the fact that in a few months she could probably cash in on some really good life insurance because I don't think mine actually has a policy or a term for extraterrestrial abduction. So she becomes very rich. But on the flip side, you know, (laughs) you hope, and I think I'm a pretty good judge of character on this, but I think they would bring me back. I don't think they would put themselves out in the, in the public, so to speak, like that, if they weren't going to return me.
7: Not unless they had a very good reason. And realistically, if they're collecting you, they'd probably just collect the whole family anyways, contacts, a family affair.
3: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Indeed. Do you believe then, Samantha, hmm. that that moment was already preordained, that it was supposed to happen?
7: I think so when it comes to waking you up to the multidimensional nature of reality and showing you just how deep and how deeply different things are than what you had originally perceived. Yeah, I think it was to an extent fate. Dave, think of it this way. Your entire perceptions of what is capable in this universe changed that day beyond more than just seeing a ship. When you see beings, it completely changes everything, especially when they're bipedal, especially when you can see them looking at you and you can look into their eyes. Because when you look into the eyes of anything, whether it's a human, a cat, a dog, a cow, you can see the soul of the being residing within that body. You can sense the energy and the life within them. And it changes everything when you look into the eyes of something. So Dave, I do think it was preordained for you to go through that. And I'm very grateful.
3: Well, I'm glad I had you holding my hand through the whole thing because I really don't know what I would have done if I was alone that day. I really don't know what I would have done if I didn't have someone with your experience there with me. You know what I'm saying? Because in the end, who knows, I may have lost it a little bit more than what I did. Not that I was jumping around. I was frozen. You know in the, yeah, mo- the Hollywood. you know in the Hollywood movies where you know you see that person you're like, get out of the way, they're running right at you with an axe or a spear or you know, a steamroller in Austin Powers and mm-hmm. you can't move? That's what it was like. I'd never experienced that before. It was almost like a paralysis.
7: It was, but they didn't intend you any fear or harm though. Those beings were quite benevolent. In fact, they kept their distance out of consideration for you. Although they were quite clear to me that I was welcome to come see them, but they were very, your energy did make them nervous. They were a little bit afraid of you and a little bit afraid for you. So they were showing a tremendous amount of consideration with how they chose to act in that situation. Dave, I don't know how you would have handled it if they had walked those 200 feet closer to us, especially if they were 12 feet. From that distance, I couldn't gauge their height very well. And realistically, if they were 12 feet tall, twice your height, two and a bit times mine, I'd be like, oh, hello, I'm at your knees, waist, somewhere in here.
3: It was definitely an experience that I do wish to happen again, Samantha.
7: And I told you, we'll all go camping this summer. It'll be fun.
3: Well, absolutely. And I look forward to that. You know, we just may need to bring... You know, a dog whistle or something. Maybe they're they're against those. Oh, my
7: dog doesn't leave. She always stays really, really close. Although, one thing I should clarify, I was talking to my mom about a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about contact. And she said, don't you remember how farm animals acted different than the pets? I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, well, the horses always acted different whenever... Um, ETs are coming around, and the cows acted different. They seemed a bit more active, and then they went really, really quiet right before any craft or any contact and stuff like that, and I hadn't remembered about stuff like that. She did.
5: Mm-hmm.
7: She remembered how the animals acted different, but I guess just being so young, I was kind of oblivious to it, and I thought, oh, they must all be asleep. So I was quite grateful for the fact she had explained that to me, because I hadn't paid attention.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you think... And th- this is obviously reaching for a question, but do you think that'll mm-hmm. ever happen again for me?
7: You having contact? I would say so.
3: But that type of contact. I, I want that exact same situation. Now, that might be too much to ask for, okay? But I want that exact same situation again because but- n- next time, I'm going with you.
7: <laughs> okay. But, Dave, think of it this way. One of the Pleiadians that I work with told me that I need to go camping again a lot this summer and next summer to get to meet more of my hybrids. Some of the children that, well, I agreed to have part of my DNA used for them, which is okay. This isn't a Pleiadian thing to harvest human DNA and to mix it with other extraterrestrials. Rather, she was informing me of other beings who were doing it and of some of the children I'd be meeting. And she showed me camping. And when she showed me all of these camping scenarios, I've realized that, okay, this summer I'm going to be doing a lot of camping, and next summer I'll do a lot of camping. That way I get the chance to meet these little ones. So that's part of the reason why I'm saying to you guys, come camping with us. We're obviously going to have contact.
3: Well, we're definitely going to do that, and we're definitely going to see where this goes because I need to know. I honestly Mm -hmm. need to know. You know, It's one of those things where... You know, I'm sure the audience can hear the emotion in my voice when I talk to them. That changed my life that day. That changed my life.
7: That, And and it was so quiet when we had this happen. You could have heard if it was people walking through the woods or if they were hunters or hikers or something. We heard nothing. It was amazing. Like, I didn't hear anything to the best of my recollection. Yes, Dave?
3: There was no birds chirping. There was no wind rustling feathers or anything along those lines. Not even a plane in the sky. And Mm -mm. you have to realize that's right along a flight line of aircraft flying in and out of a couple very busy airports in the lower mainland of British Columbia.
7: Oh, I agree completely. And afterwards, after we decided okay, well, we're not going to see them. They're not coming to see us. When you and I turned our backs to walk away, do you remember feeling as they were just watching us while we were leaving? Yes. And then you and I walked off towards the side, over towards the neighbor's property, because I think that's where you saw the UFOs. You wanted to show me where that was, and that's part of the reason you and I went outside in the first place, was you wanted to show me where that event encountered, if I'm not mistaken.
3: Well, you were also picking up beings in that area as well.
7: Yeah, but we also, as you and I walked around, we felt several beings. Do you remember it felt like at one point they were around us but cloaked? It was really interesting.
3: It was a weird feeling. And, you know, we were looking in this forest. So imagine just looking in a forest like you're looking for deer or, or if you're a bird watcher and looking around and seeing things seeming like they're running or moving all around your peripheral vision. And you turn your eyes and there's nothing there. That it was the weirdest feeling because we were there for about 15 minutes. Now, our encounter with the other two lasted what 15, 20 minutes?
7: I don't know. I'm not a very good gauge of time.
3: It was a long time. Long time. Yeah,
7: it was quite surprising that the dogs came back after we were walking up the path, if I'm not mistaken. Because it wasn't until we're out of the woods that I remember the dogs.
3: I understand. The dogs mm-hmm. came back to welcome us back.
7: And then the plane activity started, which was really interesting because I was surprised with how long you and I were in the woods that we didn't really hear planes or anything.
3: It was a day, once again, that will live in Dave's infamy, Samantha. Two years mm-hmm. ago on Saturday night. This is kind three of years. Three years. <laughs> three years. My God, three years. All right, let's get back to some questions from our audience here. Joe wants to know. How do we trust benevolent aliens knowing there are malevolent aliens out there?
7: Joe, how do you trust benevolent people knowing there are malevolent people out there? You have to take each being on a case-by-case basis. When you're near something, you can feel if it has a negative intention for towards you, whether it's being deceptive or whether it wishes to use you or to hurt you. The same way that you can sense it with people. Like, Joe, you've had encounters in your life where you've met people and you're like, you know what, that person's lying to me, or I'm pretty sure that person's going to steal from me, or that person's saying they're going to do something good, but I don't trust them. That's your intuition picking up on the energy that person's emitting. The same thing is done by you when you're in the presence of extraterrestrial and multidimensional beings. You read their vibrational resonance. And although these beings are not from the same star system as us, do not have the same energy as us, A good and bad intention towards anyone still feels the same across all types of beings. It does not matter if you are encountering a Pleiadian, a Grey, a Reptilian, a Lyran, a Mantis, a Crystal Being. If it has a positive intention towards you, you will feel an intention of courtesy and kindness being placed at you. Now, if that being has the intention of hurting you or abducting you, or anything like that, then you will have that sense of fear and trepidation. You will have a sense of them wanting to do something towards you that is not of your highest good and of your highest interest. Mm -hmm. Trust what you got.
3: Quick question from Canadian Joe at Hashtag Space Out Radio. He says, Dave, have your parents or brothers or sisters ever been taken by ET2? I have two older sisters. Neither have had experiences. Neither have my parents. As far as I know, I'm the only one in my family next to my little guy and my wife. So I just wanted to quickly answer that because I didn't want to miss that. Bill has a question in the Spreaker chat room. Samantha, what's your thoughts on Mission British Columbia about the UFO activity around the Ruskin Dam?
7: Now, it's interesting because although I've been out towards the Ruskin Dam quite a few times, I've never seen a UFO there. However, when I was living in Mission, I had a phenomenal amount of encounters, a lot of which were in person. So I do attribute there being some form of portal or energetic gateway in that area to being part of the reason why there is such a huge spike in the amount of ET encounters. Now, when it comes to Ruskin, I think it is in part because it is so close to Vancouver, so it could be a stopping point towards picking up certain people and bringing them home without being easily detected. Due to it being covered, or surrounded, pardon me, not covered, by trees and forests, it does seem like an optimal location in order to stay and cloak your ship while you're pinpointing where exactly the people you're going to be contacting are. A lot of people also go camping and boating out towards that area, so it's a very easy place to locate people and to read their vibration. Now, where you and I were living, Dave, were on opposite ends of town. I was much closer to Ruskin than you were. But I often went walking out towards that park near Ruskin. And one thing I did find whenever I was out in those woods, I did feel a lot of ET activity. But when I was there, I didn't see them in person. Yet I've met other people who've seen crafts, hover, craft, pardon me, hovering over the water there. So it's quite an interesting location.
3: We actually one night watched an orb, a big white orb, float right through the sky down the Fraser River. Going west it then it had it, oh, how can I explain this and then it all of a sudden made this really sharp 90 degree turn and we're talking this thing was maybe two thousand feet if that very very low it was almost parallel with where our hill if, if you know Mid- Mission British Columbia or most of you don't but it's all mm-hmm. on a it's all on a mountain so everything is mountainside. So when you're looking at, say, 2,000 feet off the water, literally that's almost equal to where my patio was on my house looking south. And I'm watching this, four of us are watching this white orb come down the river and then it hung an absolute sharp left south and then did an absolute horseshoe U-turn back north, flew over to where the Ruskin Dam would be, and then literally we watched it drop. Like, it just fell out of the sky towards the lake. And mm-hmm. and it was absolutely weird. First time I had seen that.
7: Well, it sounds like a very beautiful ET encounter, or not encounter, pardon me, UFO sighting. You absolutely. should draw it out, that way you don't forget it.
3: Yes, all I have to do, I'm going to draw it out right now, and I'm just going to put a circle. There. <laughs> I've drawn an. <laughs> draw its path Hold on, to hold an, on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna mark white in there. White orb. There we go. It's now titled on this page.
7: It's a start. Now just draw the mountains, your balcony, the path it took, the river. We'll be good mm-hmm. to go.
3: Uh, Muji boy is asking, how close are you both to a U.S. military base? I'm
7: extremely far.
3: (laughs) Well, back when we lived in Mission, British Columbia, the closest military base would have been, Oh, what's the Navy base called? Bremerton. Bremerton uh, Naval Base in the United States. They have uh, a lot of aircraft there. What about
7: any Canadian bases, Dave?
3: Canadian bases where we are now, there's one in between us that's not on a map near Williams Lake, British Columbia, which is kind of okay. weird. And in where we used to live, the closest military base would have been about a 30-minute drive east in Chilliwack, British Columbia. So okay. that's as close as a military base was, but that was Army. They did a lot of training there for soldiers going to over to Afghanistan.
7: Oh, wow. Yes. I never thought about that. So thank you for bringing up the correlation between location and military bases. It hadn't occurred to me to write that down or to take that into consideration.
3: Well, my friend Mike, who's a researcher for SOR sightlines reports, he actually Mm -hmm. texted me a couple weeks ago. He's like, did you know there was a base, a, 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 a secret military base up near Williams Lake? And I was like, yes, yes, I did. Because when I first moved up north here, Mm -hmm. I remember hanging out in town one day and all of a sudden there was a convoy of military vehicles going by and they're like, oh, they're going to the training facility up near Williams Lake. Oh, okay, so that's how I found out. But apparently it has the same type of orders, no fencing, no fencing at all, like other bases have here in Canada. But Mm -hmm. it has the same... Type of orders that you can be shot on sight. Kind of like Area 51. And usually, Canadian military bases are a little bit more polite. They say, sorry. They say, please don't. They'll escort you off. (laughs) Exactly. Not at this one, though. Not at this one. And where it correlates, where if you draw a line north from Mission, where we used to live... A good friend of mine, Krista, very intuitive. She used to believe that there was a secret military base. And she had told me this about five years previous, four years previous, that she felt there was a secret military base somewhere up north from where we are down in the lower mainland that was hidden for ET contact or ET landings or something along those lines. And, Williams Lake and that hidden base would not be far off that trajectory. I find that very intriguing.
7: That is interesting. Although, that just seems like all the more reason not to move to Williams Lake.
3: Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. So.
7: That just screams my lab encounters and easy my lab encounters. I'm, I'm good. Doesn't no, it? thank you.
3: Doesn't it? Totally. Totally. Let's get to another question here. Brian is asking... Samantha, could someone tell if they're from another system, from markings on their body, such as a triangle, equilateral moles?
7: Possibly. I've met a lot of other starseeds who have certain freckle formations and certain mole formations on their body that match that of other starseeds that they have a natural soul family affinity with and who tend to have the feeling of, I'm from the whatever system. In this particular case, two people I know who are from the Orion system. So, I do see there being a strong correlation between certain physical features, whether it is moles, freckles, certain eye shapes, certain whatever, things along those lines that are connectors for star seeds to be able to recognize each other who are from similar systems. One thing you may know about a lot of Pleiadians is they tend to look very, very similar. Same with people who are gray incarnates or reptilian incarnates. A lot of reptilian incarnates tend to have that ridge above their brows. They tend to have the very piercing eyes that are slightly hooded. A lot of Pleiadian ones, how can I explain it? Their hair is different. They tend to have longer hair. They tend to have it quite thick. It tends to be very, very healthy. They tend to have very distinct almond eyes, it it really depends on what star system they're from as to what physical characteristics also incarnate with them. One thing that I've noticed with a lot of the star seeds, not necessarily the ones who have a lot of hybrid DNA per se, but have more of the activated DNA, is they tend to have a lot of skin issues for some reason, as whether it's eczema, acne, things like that, because their skin is more sensitive to what's going on in this environment. And one thing that I've found is my sister's from a totally different star system from me, but the people that she tends to really have as part of her soul family, they all tend to have skin issues, not able to wear cheap jewelry, they're not able to handle certain foods, though breaking out things like that. And I do believe that's part of the markers so they can identify one another because of similar abilities to digest certain properties.
3: We only got less than a minute left with Samantha Mowat here before we go into our break and enter the final hour of the ET experience. Samantha comes on this show the second Tuesday of every month. The next time she will be on, tentatively, will be May 9th. It's just a month away. And it'll be a lot of fun as well as Samantha continues to take your question. Hey, during the break, check out our website, spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including joining the SOR Space Travelers Club for five bucks a month. You can check out our music section from Bumblefoot, Mr. Ron Thal, formerly of Guns N' Roses, currently of Art of Anarchy, as he rocks us in and out of every show. And if you haven't checked it out yet, Head on over and check out The Encounter online. We are building a team of journalists right now, providing quality writing and quality stories from themselves, original stories, as well as what's happening around the world. We are tagging it all in there. We're trying to get the news out to you on a daily basis. So make sure you check that out as well. Some good reading in there for some very talented writers. You're listening to Space Out Radio I am your host, Dave Scott. We will be back right around the other side.
4: The SOR Sightlines is a place for you to find answers to your strange experiences. Hi there, this is Mike Schmidt. If you have had an encounter with ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, ETs, or anything else that doesn't make sense, head to spacedoutradio.com and file a sightlines report. All information you give is 100% confidential and I will personally help you find the answers you need. SOR Sightlines. Your answers are a click away.
2: Have you got your Cosmic Passport? If you need one, tune in to Cosmic Passport on Spaced Out Weekend. This is Elizabeth Anglin, ET experiencer, spirit medium and host of Cosmic Passport. Each weekend I'll be bringing you interviews and support from other paranormal experiencers and the best in intuitive spiritual guidance from across the globe. It's all happening starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time, midnight Eastern, on spacedoutradio.com.
6: Hi there. I'm Butch Wachowski, lead investigator with E4COP. On the final Monday of every month, you can listen to me and host Dave Scott on Spaced Out Radio's Strange Days. We're going to get to the heart of the matter when it comes to what's happening out there. People are seeing and experiencing things from ET contact to Bigfoot, and I want to hear about it. Your experiences are what we investigators need to help solve these unknown mysteries. So tune in at spacedoutradio.com to the final Monday of every month from Butch Wachowski's Strange Days
9: visit purpleplates.com today for over 40 years the purple energy plates have been delivering amazing results for their many customers inspired by the great genius nikola tesla the harmony healing and energetic effects of the place have proven over and over to be beneficial and often miraculous to thousands of customers with their money back guarantee and the many benefits how can you afford not to get one Check their site for daily specials and choose from their many energy products. You won't be sorry. Visit them today at purpleplates.com for mind, body, and spirit. And expect a miracle.
2: This is your medium, Joanna, from Spaced Out Weekend to Mediums and a Large. I would love it if you would come and join us with host James Tyson every other Sunday on Spaced Out Weekend. Together, we will take your calls and your questions live. Our goal is to provide you with a positive outlook on deep questions that you may have. Questions regarding love, relationships, money, or whatever else is on your mind. Come and check us out at spacedoutradio.com.
8: This is Eric Markham, news editor for the Spaced Out Radio's The Encounter Online. We have put together a great team of writers and journalists from all over the world to bring you top-quality paranormal stories From alien encounters to the latest conspiracies, you won't find any of that fake news here. True stories and top-notch reporting as we look to bring these experiences to the mainstream. The encounter online only at spacedoutradio.com.
5: Patrolling the Pacific Northwest, we are always on the lookout for the strange and unassuming stories that real people are experiencing. Hi, I'm Vincent Zunza from Pacific North Weird me and Alexandra Sullivan have teamed to bring to you those odd stories that never seem to make it into the mainstream. Stories so weird that we'll leave you scratching your head wondering, is this real? It's as real as it gets with Pacific North Weird. You can watch our videos right here at spacedoutradio.com
2: become more intimate and interactive with spaced out radio join our space travelers club with your new membership for five dollars a month we'll provide you with special access to the website monthly prize draws from books to psychic readings along with monthly newsletter private interviews and more sign up today to be part of spaced out radio's experience
6: looking for a place to advertise at a very reasonable cost look no further than spaced out radio spacedoutradio.com has an advertising tab that you can click to check out our daily weekly and monthly packages to play on the radio or our website including social media from commercial spots to banners we have it all check out our competitive pricing today
2: don't have time to listen to spaced out radio live Wherever you are, the car, the office, the shower, or even if you're traveling, we're right here for you. Each Spaced Out Radio show can be found on iTunes, TuneIn, and on our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. It's the perfect way for you to catch up on our shows. For more information, just head over to our website, spacedoutradio.com, and tune in to us today.
1: Did you know that Spaced Out Radio runs seven days a week? Hi, it's James Tyson from Spaced Out Weekend. Every Saturday and Sunday night, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, you can join me and my guests for some great chatter about what's going on out in the universe or even in that dark part of the basement you really don't want to go back into. Well, let's find the answers to your experiences together. So come on up to Uncle Jimbo's cabin on the weekend. For more information, look us up at spacedoutradio.com.
0: and on Facebook's Based Out Radio Show. Now, back to the program.
1: child grew up too fast. running.
3: Welcome back to Space Out Radio tonight. I am your host, Dave Scott, and it's good to have you along for the ride tonight. Tomorrow night on the program, Laurie and Fenton will join us for the final two hours of the show. I will be joined by Eric Markham from The Encounter Online. In hour number one, we're going to talk experiences all night. Paranormal, ufological, extraterrestrial. It's going to be a fun show indeed, starting at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern time at SpacedOutRadio.com. Hey, we want to welcome in everyone listening in on the United Public Radio Network, live on 107.7 FM in New Orleans and over 160 countries around the world. Good to have you with us as your nighttime, daytime, evening time entertainment. We're also live on WQEE 99 Rock the Key Down in noon in Georgia. Good to have you with us as well. Thank you for being a part of our night. We're also live in Las Vegas on Renegade Talk Radio and on Revolution Radio. Remember, if you're listening in to the Double R Machine, it is a donation station financed by you, the valued listener. Head on over to freedomslips.com and donate today. Bill Cardwell has set the password for tonight in the SOR Space Travelers Club. Profluvium. Profluvium is your password of the night. Bill sets a password each and every night right here on the mighty SOR. If you want to follow us on social media, you can do so on Twitter, at Spaced Out Radio. Use the hashtag Spaced Out Radio for me to get to your questions and comments as well. Please give our Facebook page a like, Spaced Out Radio Show. We're 3,400 plus and counting there. You can follow me on Instagram, Dave Scott, SOR. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show. Tune us in on TuneIn. Download this show and others on iTunes. We're also on TalkStream Live, RadioGuide.fm, and Stitcher. Our website is spacedoutradio.com, where we have a plethora of features for you, including reading up on the encounter online, joining the SOR Space Travelers Club. And if you head over to Patreon.com, For a dollar a month, you can become a patron of SOR as well. Tonight, for the final time, we introduce Samantha Mowat. The ET experience happens the second Tuesday of every month. You can find more information about Samantha on our website, samanthamowat.ca. Samantha, welcome back.
7: Hey, Dave. Welcome back. Or thank you for having me back again. Oh, no problem. (laughs) Let's
3: get to some audience questions here because they are building up. Marie is asking, she says, I'm new to listening to Samantha, and I have a silly question. So, Marie, there are no silly questions. She's saying,
4: Mm
3: -hmm. I'm curious if the temperature or climate is very different when surrounded by aliens and or in their environment. And have you ever experienced, Samantha, a lot of wind, like in the movies?
7: Mm, Okay, one sec. I'm sorry, I'm not sure I understand the question. Are you asking whether the temperature in the room changes when extraterrestrial presence is nearby. Is that what she means? Today?
3: Yes. Yes. In which
7: case, if it's just them coming like physically into the room, not necessarily. I haven't noticed anything strong enough physically when they come into the room to feel it being really cold. Now you may feel very, very cold, if you have things like a ghost coming into your room or a lower dimensional entity coming into your room or a demon, in which case you may also feel very, very warm. But when it comes to just the extraterrestrials, no, but light beings tend to feel very, very warm, like sunshine, as in the heat of the, like just heat standing in the sun. But they don't necessarily feel like a huge gust of wind coming in, not in my experience, Although craft can feel different if you're having a craft above your house and you walk outside to go look at the stars, then you may feel that wind coming down if it's fairly low above the home or if it's fairly low above the trees near you. Then you can feel the temperature fluctuation being a little bit warmer or a little bit cooler depending upon what time of year and which craft is that's near you.
3: Let's get to Amber's question. She is asking, Samantha, how do you feel about having hybrids? Do you miss them? Is it hard for you not to be with them? Why did you agree to do so?
7: Well, Amber, that's a lot of questions. Let me try to break it down. I love the hybrids that I've agreed to have. For the majority of the hybrids that I've had that have been born, they are from soul contract where I've agreed to allow a portion of my DNA because a good chunk of it is activated because my body is accustomed to having contact from a very young age and has been born into a family of contactees for a very long time. So for us, we have a bit of an easier time being in the presence of many different extraterrestrials because it doesn't feel as foreign. I do miss the hybrids that I've met. The majority of the hybrids that I know are mine, when I meet them, it's kind of like seeing my children I haven't seen for months or for years because often you will end up having that embryo taken from you when you're fairly freshly pregnant, only a couple weeks pregnant or only a couple months pregnant. Sometimes people don't even fully realize they're pregnant yet and they'll have ETs come and collect the embryo. And then that child will be born on craft and raised on craft and may not meet its mother until years later. But even when you meet that child, there's this energetic resonance with them that you recognize as being similar to that of your own. Now, one thing I should say is that when it comes to things like ovum harvesting, I don't necessarily remember things like that happening. Although I do recall having encounters with some extraterrestrials and some humans. And I know some of my hybrids are from those encounters. And that's okay. For me, it's it's a pleasant experience. I know for some other people, it's not. And not everyone has soul contracts to have this happen. But in this case, I have one and I'm all right with that.
3: Let's get to Robert's question coming from Australia. He is asking, Samantha, seeing how you have had a lot of contact with aliens, you might have some insight as to why some people get picked as opposed to others. Do they select people on how they may react to aliens picking them up? Like how they wouldn't approach me because of my reaction to them. And me, in part, when, he's, when he yes. says me, he's meaning Dave as in me.
7: <laughs> okay. In part, yes. But you want to take into account a few different things. A lot of the people that the extraterrestrials choose to have contact with are, necess- or in some cases, starseeds. So they are an extraterrestrial soul inhabiting a human body. Or they are extraterrestrials that are incarnating into human lineages to find out the other aspect. Well, think of it this way. You have an ET that lives on craft, Picks up humans, monitors their DNA, their evolutionary process, whatever it is that extraterrestrial specializes in, even human behavior, love, all sorts of things. And they decide, you know what, we've kind of reached the most that we are actually capable of learning without actually going down there and occupying a human body and monitoring it from that end. And then in which case you'll have volunteers saying, okay, well, I'll go incarnate as a human and then you can still abduct me and we can get more information that way. And that is one thing that's going on for a lot of people is they're actually ETs that are being abducted by their family who's monitoring certain components. Now, yes, there are some ETs who will abduct people because of their genetics, whether it's certain blood types, certain um, genetic characteristics, certain human hybrids, things like that. But when it comes to people like Dave... Um, yes, they do sometimes take an interest in people for a while and then decide, you know what, maybe this isn't as good of a fit for our group, but it may be a good fit for another group. It really depends. When you have contact, There, you may have a certain cluster of contact with one type of being. And when that cluster is like, okay, well, we've gotten everything we possibly can from Dave, sometimes another group will step in saying, okay, well, why did the Andromedans take an interest in Dave? Now we're going to abduct him for a while and see what they were so interested in, find out what it is he learned from them and try to figure out why they were so interested. So normally contact and piggyback each other. You'll have contact with two or three groups all trying to figure out what the other one's agendas are. It's a very complicated and interesting dynamic when you start to look at the big picture of it.
9: We don't
3: we're we're not we're short on questions here now from our, <laughs> from
9: our
3: audience. I, I, I was going through all and scrolling through them all trying to figure out whether or not there were any more. I guess I must okay. have caught up. You know, I get excited I get excited when I get caught up because I feel so bad sometimes. You know? Don't.
7: But, uh, Everything's in divine timing. It's perfect as it's supposed to be.
3: Absolutely. Absolutely.
7: So, you wanted one to talk thing about, I want...
3: Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead. No, you wanted to get awesome. into uh, <laughs> Andromedans tonight.
7: I totally did. And the reason I want to get into the Andromedans is they're not as commonly talked about as the Palladians, the Reptilians, the Mantis, or the Greys, or even the Whites and the Tall Whites. Now, one thing that Dave and I have had the good pleasure of meeting was Andromedans together. I've met them several times even without Dave, but one thing I want to mention about this group is they are incredibly diverse, not only in height, but in their capabilities. The beings that Dave and I saw were not wearing protective clothing that covers them from neck to wrist to feet. They were naked from what I could see. And most of the time when I've encountered the Andromedans, they have been naked. Although I had a very interesting encounter on February 7th, 2015. Now, during this encounter, I was driving down a highway, and it was kind of interesting because when this was happening, Dave, it, it threw me off a little bit because as I'm driving down the highway, I start to feel the familiar sensation of craft approaching. And as I'm looking up, I see this beautiful round craft, and it's emitting this glow around it. And in the middle, there are these rectangular lights. Some are orange, some are yellow, and they're partially, um, how can I explain it? Nope, thank you, guys. They're going in an order or a sequence where it's like orange, orange, yellow type thing in a pattern like that. And in the middle, there are these small lights as well. And as I'm driving down the highway, I thought, oh, okay, that's a craft. Why is it coming in the daytime? And as I'm looking at this beautiful craft, I notice this cord of energy forming at my heart chakra. And it reaches up from my body through my vehicle into the sky up to the craft, which wasn't very high above me, only a few hundred feet. And I'm looking at this orangey light, and I'm surprised because the energy is connecting me to a craft. And as my energy and my soul and my body are being moved up to the craft, I had this momentary thought of, oh, no, if I'm leaving my vehicle, my vehicle's going to crash. It's going to hit somebody, and they're going to think there's an accident. And a moment later, I see these two Andromedan beings, neither of which who are wearing clothing, coming down into my vehicle, one is sitting in the front seat and one is sitting in the passenger seat and I received a telepathic message telling me, don't worry about your vehicle, they'll put it in a safe location and when the time is ready you'll go back to your vehicle and you can keep driving. And I thought, oh, okay that's interesting. And a moment later I found myself on craft. Now this craft was different from a lot of the other craft that i was seen. And the reason why it was different is I didn't find myself in a Loading area. I didn't find myself suddenly in a room. Rather, I found myself in a corridor. And as I'm looking around, I noticed that the walls were beige in color. And there were these bulkheads protruding from the ceiling as well as from the floor. And I'm looking along the bulkheads, going, okay, there's symbols and there are patterns. And this really interesting rectangular shape one stood out to me. And I knew on a soul level that I could read this information, but I couldn't quite. Intuit what it said because it didn't make sense to me. It was like receiving information from hieroglyphics and then trying to break down the components of the information word by word when it's in full, like full sentence or full paragraph form. And while I'm doing this, I remember feeling my eyes. And what many of you who've gone on to craft will notice is that when you go on craft, your eyes can change. My eyes got suddenly quite bigger, they stopped possessing eyelids, and my eyes became quite big, almost up to my eyebrows and all the way down to my socket. A moment later, I was joined by this being and he was tall. If I'm not mistaken, I think he was this whitey tan color. And when he walked up to me, he said, good day or good afternoon or something like that telepathically. And he was wearing this bluey type outfit that covered him from neck to wrist to foot. And he told me that he was going to be leading me down a hallway to go talk to this woman. And as he is leading me, I remember looking going, odd. It's it didn't feel like a very big craft. And typically when I find myself in the presence of extraterrestrials and multidimensionals, they don't typically take you to go talk to someone who's in charge of the ship. But I remember him explaining to me that she was in charge of this vessel and that she needed to speak to me. And as we're walking through this door, I remember looking around going, Oh, a small room. Okay, well that's odd. And there was a table, and on this table was this little dried yellow snake, and it was partially coiled up. And I remember looking at that and going, oh, okay, I wasn't comfortable with it. I don't like taxidermy. I don't like seeing anything when it's dried up like that. And when you're seeing a body of something that's stuffed, it made me very uncomfortable. And a moment later, this being walks me into another room, and it looks like an office. And as soon as I was in this room, I noticed there was a desk, and there was a deck of well-worn playing cards, there were several old books and a few nick like knickknacks like that. And this desk was beautiful because it wasn't like a desk like you would see if you're on a Palladian craft or on a reptilian craft or anything like that. Rather, it was a wooden desk. It was a human desk. And I looked at this going, wow, that's a really beautiful old desk. And a moment later, the tan tall being that had walked me into this room, he walked out and i remember looking across the table and seeing this beautiful hybrid woman she didn't i can't remember she had hair but i remember thinking that she looked very much so halfway between a human and an andromedan and as i'm talking to this woman i remember being very excited because her energy felt so different and it felt like it was more emotional than a lot of the Andromedans. She had a very strong range of emotional capabilities. She understood emotions. She was very fascinated by human culture and the way that we choose to conduct ourselves. And the reason why she's so fascinated is you could see it when you look at her, that she was part human, part Andromedan. Now, one thing I remember saying to her, I can't remember if I said it out loud or telepathically, But I was quite giddy. I'm like, I wish I had known you collected human things. I would have bought you a present. And she felt very pleased with this. She felt as though she was feeling how genuine I was and how I was excited to get her something. And so I said to her, I can still get you a gift. I'd like to get you a gift. Can we arrange for me to get you something? And then a moment later, she explains to me how she's looking for a desk, an oak desk. And I remember telling her that, well, I'm good at manifesting Can we arrange for me to get you one and to pick it up? And I remember her showing me the impressions in her energy and in her aura and in her mind that this desk wasn't for her, that it was for her beloved. And she was so excited by this love that she had for this other being. It felt like a romantic attachment. And for those of you who have contact, you know that quite often when you meet many of these beings, they don't have the same emotional range that we do. Their perception of love and understanding and romance can be completely different. In fact, they don't necessarily have the same depth that humans to be capable of, so that's part of why human relationships are so interesting to them. I remember telling her that I would look for this desk and that I would manifest one, and then she showed me the location of where I can put it and that they'd be picking it up. So if any of you have a beautiful old oak desk, I am looking for one still, and I need to put it, well, in a barn, and I know what barn, so I'm pretty excited. But that's one of my favorite encounters because it taught me just how diverse Not only the Andromedans can be, but the human-Andromedan hybrids. And it helped explain to me why hybridization is not necessarily always with malevolent intention, but rather for understanding how the best of two different types of species, when their genetics are combined and activated in the right way, can be beneficial for all the species involved. I'm so excited by that, Dave. Thank you for letting me share it. No problem. No problem.
3: For a lot of people, though, Samantha, they don't know the difference yeah. in between the species. How are you mm-hmm. able to tell what is Andromedan, what is Pleiadian, how is, you know, Arcturian, you know, Mantid? How are you able to tell the difference? Because I think for everybody, mm-hmm. they would go through that sense of fear in maybe not knowing what they're dealing with.
7: Well, one of the best things you can do if you're having encounters is, let's say you have an encounter tonight And you wake up tomorrow morning, get a pen, get a piece of paper, draw out every single detail of what you can remember seeing, write it all down. And if you don't know your species of extraterrestrial, break it down. When it comes to the mantis, typically they look like large, partially human sometimes, although not always, praying mantises. Their heads are partially triangular in shape. They have very large eyes. They have gentle sloping foreheads that go back. Their bodies are slightly crouched over as though their shoulders, how can I explain it? Their shoulders don't necessarily stand back like ours do when we're standing erect like we've been doing yoga or dance. Rather, theirs are a bit more hunched over, a bit like Mr. Burns. And their hands tend to be very thin, very delicate. So look at the physical characteristics of the beings. When you see Pleiadians, they're incredibly humanoid looking for the most part. Most of the Pleiadians that humans on Earth are encountering are the humanoid Pleiadians. Although there are other species that do reside in the Pleiades that don't look human, that are bipedal, that can be very similar to the Andromedans that live there. And although they are technically played in as well, they're not associated with the Pleiades as often. But that just overcomplicates things. We can get to that another time. When it comes to things like the reptilians, well, you look at them and you see a giant reptile. That's a pretty easy one. You all know what the greys look like. If you see an Andromedan, now, that's where it gets kind of murky. Because before I started really learning the different names of everything, I would say, I think I saw a grey, but it didn't have the same energy as a grey. And it didn't have the same, like, dolphin-y type skin. It had skin that was softer. It had skin that was more flexible and more alive, more almost muscular and i explained how well it was kind of like muddy brown that's why i call the andromedans the tans a fair bit is their skin has that beautiful tan color that has partial freckles that has that slight discoloration and inconsistency to it same thing when it came to the andromedans when i first met pardon me the arcturians when i first met danny i'm like i think it's a tall white but then i looked up the tall whites like whoa that is not what it is but it was tall and it was white So I started looking around to the other different types of ETs, trying to figure out what it is that he was. And I started looking into more of their eye color and how he had a slight blue glow. And as I started to ask other people who are more knowledgeable at extraterrestrials, I got led towards the direction of, oh, well, that's an Arcturian, which when I finally found that out and I looked into the energy of them and started researching them more, it really resonated with everything I knew about Danny and what I was experiencing with him and the Arcturians. So there is a certain degree of learning what these beings are after you encounter them. And it can be time-consuming. It really can. But once you have that idea of, okay, I've met this being and I've recorded all the details I remember, then you're going to be less likely to superimpose details in your mind. And that's part of why I want all of you to journal and to draw things out, is if you record all the information you recall, you're able to really check off what is and isn't right for the beings that you've encountered.
3: Let's get to some questions from our audience, if you are okay with that. Milo Mm -hmm. is asking, have you ever been shown visions of the future events?
7: Yes, quite a few. Some being very, very good, some being a little more tedious for humanity. But they always show me and my family being safe, which is helpful. But one thing that they have shown me about the future is they're trying to awaken humanity as much as possible to keep us on a very positive timeline. And that's also part of the reason why they're very careful about what humans they choose to make contact with. They're trying to go to the ones that are more awakened, the ones that are naturally tapping into their psychic abilities, as many of you are the people who can walk into a room and have an idea about, okay, well, that person's nice and that person's sad and this person's that and they can just feel the energy without ever actually talking to them. They're trying to go to more of the people like that because they're able to understand the nonverbal cues as well as the telepathic information and be able to interact with these beings without them being fully cloaked. Many people have contact and are unaware that they're having contact because the beings are showing a cloaked appearance. But if that's the only way they can show the people their energy and show them future events and how they can make a benefit to humanity by helping to change the timeline, then I can understand why they choose to do it that way. The ones that show me timelines the most and about the future are the Andromedans. They've revealed to me when certainly certain family members were on destructive paths and what needed to change. They've shown me um, when my relationships are going good and when they're not going good, what the outcome will be if I choose to make one choice or another as well as whether I have more children or not and what the circumstances will be no matter what I pick and I'm quite grateful for them showing me timelines like that it it does make life a lot easier
3: let's get to joe's question joe is asking does living in the woods as opposed to a city enhance or decrease the amount of contact mm,
7: that depends on the person But for the majority of people, living in the woods will increase your contact because it will keep your vibration grounded and it will make it so that you are easier to contact overall. I found that it doesn't really matter where in the world I go. My contact still maintains the same whether I'm living in Vancouver or visiting wherever. It doesn't really shift that. But I know for a lot of people, they'll have contact when they live out in the woods, but not when they live in a city. So, there could be a strong correlation between the accessibility of someone living in nature versus not.
3: All right, let's get to Shar's question. Shar is asking, why do only certain people see a UFO even when a group is together?
7: Well, Shar, I'd like for you to think of it this way we are all able to see the visible light spectrum, although some of us are able to perceive more of it. And the reason why some of us can perceive more of it is we have things such as our clairvoyance more activated. If you think about the way the human eyes work and the way that we are able to perceive visible light, we are only able to see a very small portion of it. And if you activate things like your clairvoyance and your third eye, which we are all very, very capable of doing, then you're able to see beyond the normal range of light. You increase it by a little bit. So people who are able to see dead people Their ability to see into the visible light spectrum will be a little bit different than those who are able to see auras, which will be different again than people who are able to see the multidimensional beings around us. Although they are all seeing an increase in the visible light spectrum, the people who are seeing, let's say, the dead people would have it towards, let's say, the darker side. Let's say the heavier vibrations like your reds, your oranges, your yellows. As I'm sure you're all aware of the science textbook definition or picture display of the visible light spectrum starting at heavier levels like red working its way up through the rainbow all the way up to indigo and white. If you look at how the vibration is being very dense and heavy towards the right where you have your reds and your oranges and as you work your way across to the left we have purples and whites, it's lighter and a much closer um, wave pattern. It's the same thing is said with UFOs. Most UFOs are operating on a higher vibration. And that vibration is out of the perception of most people. It's not that we're actually having more UFOs now than ever, in my opinion. It's the fact that more people are able to perceive them, as well as the beings that are walking around us, more now than ever. So, go humanity! How amazing is that?
3: Mario has a great question here. He says, Samantha... I'm a firm believer that movies from Hollywood give us soft disclosure. What movie mm-hmm. or movies best describes reality as you see it?
7: When it comes to extraterrestrials, I would say the miniseries taken by Steven Spielberg is a very good representation of the degrees of contact and how extraterrestrials fa- follow family lineages through generations do things such as the alien love bite or alien orchestrated relationship and how they change our DNA to activate certain people to me that's a very good representation of what is going on with the extraterrestrial contact and the multidimensional interference within the planet earth that is my favorite representation Can't although it- Go ahead. Sorry. I'm sorry, if I could add one more thing to that. Sure. The movie They Live, although it is very, very old, I think is a very good representation of our world. You can find it on YouTube for free. If you can get a hold of it, I would definitely watch it because it will just it'll blow your mind with how accurate it is in revealing how we have extraterrestrials living around us. Yes, Catherine was saying.
3: Catherine was asking which species or technique uses orange light?
7: Mm, that's a good question. Do you mean in a healing modality, in which case many of them will use orange light or all the colors of the chakras to activate and balance different chakras? I've seen orange lights at the bottom of crafts for Andromedans. Although, if you're talking about just having orange light like an orb going through your house, it could be any number of beings. Can you elaborate on the question, please?
3: We'll I'll have to wait because of the delay, but... You know, even orange orbs. There's a lot of orange orbs out there. I've seen them. A lot of our listeners have seen them.
7: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the orange orbs, take this into account, a lot of things are able to alter their vibrational frequency to being at the level that the color orange is perceived at. So you can't necessarily break that down to being one particular species or just one type of being. Because some people see blue orbs when they're having Andromedan encounters and some people see a blue orb when they're having reptilian encounters. So it really depends on the person and who it is they're encountering as to who's using what kind of orbs because orbs are a form of technology depending upon your ability to access your higher self and how you can travel between the dimensions or locations.
3: All right, let's get to another question from Eric. Since you've dealt with the Andromedans... He says, the Andromeda galaxy and our own are heading for a collision. What do they say, the Andromedans say, is going to happen when they collide? Have they ever talked to you about that?
7: No, they've never talked to me about that. Whenever they've talked to me about anything catastrophic, they always just show me and my family being picked up and us always being safe. That's not something I ever really worry about because that would be millions of years away. They have more Permanent, or not necessarily permanent, pardon me, more pressing matters at hand dealing with humanity and its vibration and what's going on here than worrying about the collision of two galaxies that are very far apart still. Although I could do my best, Eric, to ask them if I remembered next time I see them.
3: Brian is asking Samantha, do people often meet extraterrestrial beings in their dreams? I believe I've encountered some in a dream state and remembered walking through a liquid-slash-fluid like Stargate in the mountains. That was about 8 and 10 to 10 feet in length. It felt cold when going through this Stargate. Could this be a portal to another dimension or star system?
7: Yes, Eric, people do often encounter extraterrestrial multidimensional beings when they're astral projecting. And when you're astral projecting, you're able to feel things just as well as if you were moving through with your own body. So the fact you're able to pick up on the temperature would be an indication that you're astral projecting. Stargates and portals are things that are very commonly found throughout this world. Some are very, very small, like the size of a closet. Others can be quite large. It does sound as though you've had an encounter where you've met extraterrestrials and have teleported from one location to another. I would definitely write everything you can down and draw it out. Because when you do that, you'll start to pull forward more information that you did not realize you had suppressed. And it'll give you a better idea about what happened.
3: I love this question from Char. It's so original. And she is asking, this may be a weird question, Samantha, but do any alien species have tattoos?
7: Probably, but I haven't seen any. To the best of my knowledge, I don't recall seeing any tattoos on anything from Pleiadians to Andromedans to Arcturians to Lyrans to Reptilians. No, I don't recall seeing any on them. I've had a couple notice my wrist tattoo. And they like to run, run their hand over it and feel it. And I'm not sure if they're trying to feel the energy coming off my wrist if it's changed or if they're just fascinated by the picture on it. Although, for you, Shar, I will definitely do my best to ask or look at their bodies more in the future. And if I see it, I'll be sure to let Dave know.
3: Let's move on to Joyce's question. And she is asking, what does an abductee feel? between the pickup and return. Is it the same feeling or similar to an elevated state, much like an OBE or an NDE?
7: It can very much so feel like an OBE in the sense that you're more aware of what's going around you. Although that said, if you're being picked up by certain groups who are having you in a closed off vibrational state, where you're not necessarily having access to all your mental faculties, Like let's say a lot of abductees, they'll find themselves in a state where they feel like they're kind of drugged or they're out of sorts or like they can't fully think and it's like a daze. That could be, it's not necessarily malevolent when that happens. It just depends on what the beings need to do and whether they need to have you awake or not. So sometimes you can feel like you're drugged. Other times you could just, you'll go to sleep and you'll wake up on a craft and you won't remember how you got there, but you'll feel like you're out of sorts. Very similar to waking up out of amnesia or not amnesia, anesthetic. Thank you guys for correcting me. And other times you'll, well, you'll lay down and you'll close your eyes. A moment later, you'll open them and you'll just step out of your body and you'll go up above your house and you'll see different ETs waiting for you. I've had times where I put energetic protection up around my house and around my property and I'll astral project out of my home and then I'll get just above my home and I'll get to maybe 20, 30 feet above my house and I'll see different ETs. It's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess that energy protection worked great and then you just go talk to them depending upon if you're comfortable interacting with them in which case I feel very alive I feel that sense of exuberance and health and power within our bodies because you're in a very high vibrational state you don't have that heaviness of your body when you actually go back into your body It you can feel uncomfortable especially if you're not honoring your body and taking care of it so when you astral project you can feel incredible
3: And I do want to update Joyce, because she asked earlier on, yes, Samantha will be attending the first annual Caribou Paracon put on by Space Mm -hmm. Out Radio, and she will be one of the speakers at that event. I'm very much looking forward to that, Samantha.
7: Me too. It's going to be fun. I don't know what we're speaking about yet, though.
3: I don't know either. You got 90 minutes to fill.
7: Woohoo. I could do that.
3: Absolutely. I think you could too. I think you're going to be very interested and very interesting because I think you're one of the key speakers of the event. So I definitely want to make sure that people come on out and support you for that. We'll have more information on our website about the Paracon coming up in the next couple of weeks. Catherine is updating us on her orange orb question. She said, "The, the orange light happened at the end of a light download. It was small, about the size of a quarter, about four inches in front of my face.
7: That's interesting. If it's coming at the end of a light download, Catherine, I think it was the being who was downloading the information into your mind and your body. If you felt as though it was benevolent, then it would be someone who is caring for you while this DNA activation was occurring and light download was going into your energy body. I'd like to know how you felt when this was happening. Because when you're feeling things, especially when you're having downloads going on, it's important to be aware of who's downloading the information into your subconscious and your energy body. And the two are very, very different things. Your subconscious and conscious mind can interpret some information, but other information is directly energetic and can be translated into words and energetic patterns or even lifestyle patterns. So when you're looking at how the energy goes with the download, a light one would be a very, very good one to have because that would be raising your vibration and increasing the amount of DNA that's activated in you, bringing forward knowledge that's either locked in your subconscious or from your higher self and now coming in. I can't wait to find out what it is you received because, to me, that would be very interesting to know. Well,
4: um, One
7: more thing. Yeah. Sorry. Catherine, if you feel as though you keep thinking about that information that you've downloaded, that light information, every time you think of it, if you feel the need to write something down, even if it doesn't make sense, like I feel healing and I feel these colors and I feel vibration or spinning, write it down, just start a different notebook for it. Because when you're getting that much information, you might only have it revealed to you in bits and pieces. And if you just ignore it, you may not be able to use it as quickly as you would if you were to write it all down and reflect upon it.
3: A lot of people who have experiences or want experiences, whether it's paranormal, whether it's ufological, we always expect them to happen in the night and in the Mm -hmm. nighttime. A lot of people believe that that is because the veil is thinner. A lot of people believe that it's easier to communicate or easier to get in and out when there's less frequency going around. Or Mm -hmm. more people are asleep and less people are actually conscious in the dark.
7: I agree with all those.
3: In your opinion, though, does a lot of ET contact happen in the daytime? Or is it more prevalent at night?
7: For me, it is more prevalent at night, but I have had a lot happen in my daytime as well. So I can't say that it's all nighttime, when in reality, there is quite a bit that goes on in the day, Dave. Especially when you're noticing cloaked beings walking around or seeing beings that are there for a moment and then partially disappear. Or even just, I mean, Dave, who hasn't had their kids come running out of a room screaming, I saw something, I saw something. Well, chances are your kids did see something. Because kids are better at seeing interdimensionally. It doesn't seem to matter whether it's daytime or nighttime. You're still able to perceive what's going on around you. You just choose to ignore it more in the daytime. Mm -hmm. But at nighttime, it's a little harder to ignore. So I don't, I do think it's very possible for people to have a lot of encounters in the day. But most people are oblivious to them because they're working.
3: When contact happens during the day, is it much different than when it happens at night?
7: Mm, I would say there's less anxiety with it in the daytime because you have the sun. There's the security of knowing more people are awake and present near you typically, even if you're out in the woods. There's still a degree of feeling secure because you have a better awareness of what is around you. So in a sense, yeah, it could be different in your point of perception, But as to whether it's benevolent or malevolent based upon daytime or nighttime, I think it'd be silly to say that it was only one way or the other, judging upon whether the sun was up or down. I've had some good encounters happen at night, and I've had some, well, bad encounters happen the day, especially if you walk into something like your laundry room, and you see eyes, and then you just turn around going, nope, not going to do this right now, and you just walk back upstairs. Sometimes you can just feel when something's off and trying to intimidate you even if it's daytime or nighttime.
3: I always found that the only real daytime experience I had was with you in that form. Everything for me has seemed to happen in the evening and or the night. Do you think that's because I'm more conscious thinking about that at that time or that I'm just not picking up? Because there are days I've literally... Walked into my backyard and just laid down and stared up at the sky and never saw a thing. And I would be there for hours looking, never saw a thing. But come nighttime, well, holy hell over high water. I mean, we're seeing craft all over the place at times.
7: Sorry. Um, I understand what you're saying, but it also depends upon where you live, too. You got to remember, even though you are in quite a small location, you are still by a highway. You would still have, and you're right beside a school. So there are a lot of people being aware of those energies. Kids are so psychic, Dave, incredibly psychic. If you have something like a craft in the sky above the field, above your house, then I guarantee you people like children are going to sense it and see it. Versus when people are in other locations, like let's say, more in the woods like our friends in mission they're not they weren't by a school so there are less eyes looking up and kids are always looking up they're always looking for what's around them but when it comes to the daytime encounters versus nighttime dave you also have to look at what's going on with you what beings are you contacting who is it that you're working with because when they're out in space they don't necessarily have a daytime or a nighttime. But you do have to pay attention to what's going on in your world. How's your vibration? A lot of these beings don't need craft to get to Earth. They use dimensional technology. So they can just open up a slice in the sky, come through, and come right down. Or they can open up a section of your bedroom wall and walk right through. So it really does depend on who you are and what their intention is for contact you. What is it they need from you at this time? I know that may sound very ET agenda based and as though it's all about them, but they're the ones going out of their way to contact us. During a lot of my daytime encounters, it's kind of different because sometimes they're there for me and sometimes they're not there for me. Sometimes they're there for other people. And that's it's something you just have to be aware of, especially because you do have contactees in your family is if you do see a craft, it might not be there for you. It might be there for Mrs. S.O.R. or baby S.O.R. So it really depends on what's going on in that sense. If your health is good, but one of theirs isn't, you might not see them, but they can still slip in and out of your home very, very easily and take care of one of them before you even notice.
3: Catherine has updated us. She says, I was calm and at peace, blinded by the light pattern. It was five style triangles met with a rounded like two-sided tail and then another set of five triangles. Once I memorized the pattern, the light shifted upwards to almost like a small sunlight from above. Then when, then when that faded, the orange light happened. During the download, no pain, no headache. What experience was done? A slight headache emerged. Mm-hmm. This all started minutes after I posted to the Repub, or some political stuff, and went from there. It lasted about a minute or two.
7: Now, it's interesting that that's right after you do a political thing. Um, I'd be curious to see what kind of energetic vibration was going on on that website. Now, the reason I bring up the energetic aspect is that sounds like a more benevolent um, download of information. I recently gave a reading to a friend of mine when I was in... Oh, goodness, San Francisco. And he had these beautiful golden triangles in his aura that were spinning around in a circle. And they felt incredibly benevolent. And when you're mentioning the triangles in yours as well, in my experience, whenever I see triangles in someone's aura or whenever they have them in their energy body or they're getting a download around them, triangles are showing things in balance, things coming into harmony. Especially when people have blue triangles or if they're moving upwards towards the head, meaning seeking higher knowledge. I'm sorry to go into auras for a moment, but when you see people, pardon me, thank you guys. When you see people who have blue um, auras, or not blue auras, pardon me, blue triangles in their aura, especially when they're around their head or any form of aura that has a triangle in it towards the top section, it means higher knowledge coming through. So it's interesting that you talk about the triangles and them moving upward. How amazing is that? Yay.
3: Let's get to Brian's question. Brian is saying, Samantha, how does one know if one is getting downloads and how do you access them?
7: Well, first things first, when you're getting downloads, you feel a huge shift in your energetic body. Let's say you're sitting here right now and a certain ET within your soul family or that you have an agreement of working with in this lifetime agrees that, okay, well, Brian's reached a certain point. It's a good time right now for him emotionally, energetically for him to receive a download. We're going to begin an energetic transfer process between this information and his mind and his energy body. And while that's going on, have you ever seen an image of someone who looks like they're wearing a almost like i want to say like a skull cap like a swimmer's cap where it covers their head but it's got a cord coming out the back and reaching high up into the sky it looks like there's stars and energy moving throughout it
3: I when have you not see people getting personally
7: <laughs> okay maybe i should stop speaking in auras and energy but that's okay if you ever see stuff like that it'll almost feel like something's going on around your head. Like the shift in your energy feels like it's more alive. It can feel tingly. Some people get headaches that they're receiving too much information at once. It feels like there's literally blocks or books of information coming into your mind and as the energy comes down and into your head, it actually starts to move things around and you can feel a little bit dizzy sometimes. Sometimes you feel like you're um, having a very close connection towards God or higher consciousness because your energy feels more alive. It's very flowing and tingly. For me, it feels quite warm when this happens. Now, I'm sorry, what was the second part of the question, Dave?
3: The second part was, how do you open up those downloads?
7: Oh, how you open up those downloads is a couple different ways. Most downloads that you received, the information will go into your subconscious mind until it's ready to be utilized. Now, if you're impatient like me and you want to remember everything your soul knows on all levels and to access it now whenever you need it, then you are able to actually do meditating with a book. And when you're trying to access that information, you can actually feel the most recent download that you've had and go, okay, well, I was feeling a download yesterday. And as you're sitting there, um, you just start to feel how that energy felt when it was coming into your mind. And you make it a feeling of, okay, I'm feeling knowledge. And then you're feeling, okay, I'm feeling something around health. Okay. Show me more. Okay. I'm feeling something around healing. Okay. Show me more. Okay. I'm feeling it around light. Okay. Show me more. And just keep asking them to reveal more, to show you more, because you may end up breaking it down from going, okay, well, I had this download information, and I felt like there was something about healing, to going, okay, I've received information, it was around healing, it was around energy and vibration, it was around light, it was around the colors of light, and affecting the different ways chakras were operating within the body. You may start to break it down like that. Do you see how it went in like a sequence of breaking it down by category? Not necessarily in a conventional sense, but on a way that is point like coming at it from a more broad or light understood way. The way the ETs think is so very different from us for the most part. The ones who aren't necessarily as I don't want to say intellectually focused because that's not right, but the ones that are less creatively focused, they have a very structured way of doing things, which is very similar to most humans. But a lot of the other ETs are very creative in the way that they express things. You'll get these blocks of information and you're trying to break it down. You're trying to get an idea about what this information is and how it's relevant for you. But you have to trust the information you get. Most people want to find out, oh, well, I just received a block of information around how to heal animals using sound and light therapy. Okay, that's great, but you're probably not going to get that information in a straight sentence as you're expecting to get it. You may get something like healing, then animals, then you may get light. See how it kind of goes in a scattered form, but you have to kind of put it together? Downloads are a huge block of information. It is like getting a book of knowledge dropped into your head. You can't necessarily read it in sentences because the information is like hieroglyphics. There is so much information contained within each symbol, each small section that you have to break it down and see how it fits into the whole rather than just taking it at its value alone. That is what I've come to understand about the downloads I've received.
3: I still don't understand with what they are or if I've re- received them. <laughs> You know, I, I, I hear what you were saying, but for the majority of us out there, I don't think we are qualified enough to even pick up on any sort of download or even know, Samantha, whether or not we've received one.
7: Well, okay, that that you're all qualified, so please do not belittle yourselves your capability in that sense. Rather, think of it this way. The only reason why people who receive downloads tend to be more aware of them is they tend to be more empathic or clairsentient in nature. They can sense when their energy changes, like their head starts to feel tingly or they just feel off in that region of their body. They can sense when something's shifting and changing. And because they can feel that shift, Dave, they are able to tell when they're having a download. So that gives them a bit of a distinct advantage in that sense. Now, because they're able to feel that energy shift, they are also able to feel what is more accurate in regards to the information they're receiving. They can use that level of discernment using their body and their energetic field to pinpoint whether something is or isn't relevant for the information they're receiving.
3: Does it happen all the time? Like, what do you? For you some fe-
7: people, yes.
3: What do you feel though? Me, what do what yeah. you? What are you supposed to do with that information? Because it's not like like you can run into a newspaper and say, by the way, I just got a download from aliens, and, you know, this is what we need to do.
7: Well, technically, no, that's. That wouldn't quite be right to do it in that sense. But, Dave, think of it this way. Look at all the people who are getting downloads information. They're getting downloaded on greener technologies, on healthier styles of living. People are getting downloads on um, how to better take care and raise these intuitive children that are coming, how to be more connected towards the plants and the earth or the animals, on how to better organize their monetary system so that's fair for all you're getting humans are getting downloads about everything it's not just about light-based technology or about um energy technology it's really not i think that's a common misconception so i really should show something a little more grounding to explain downloads rather people can get downloads on all sorts of things and whenever you have these thoughts that are inspired these really odd um energy feelings like let's say dave you're someone who wants to um create a way to help clean the oceans or to help take care of a certain kind of animal. You may be spending months going, okay, well, I don't know how to do this. I don't know. I don't know. Then you make it a download, not realize you're getting a download. Rather, you can all of a sudden be like, oh, my God, I think I got it. I can create this device to go around the ocean. It can collect garbage, and it'll burn that garbage as fuel as it goes around collecting more garbage. When people have really inspired ideas like that, it's often from downloads of information. We've all had them look at um, the download you got to go on towards radio because you knew that it was time for you to start pushing yourself in this direction. That's a download. Or um, our friend Johnny gained the download to hold a conference. Same with Lorian having the conference. People are getting downloads to help raise the consciousness, get the conversations going, change the vibration. They're all interconnected, but they're all very different types of downloads. We can't just break them down saying they're only one thing or another. When actuality, they're just as diverse as we are.
3: We only got a couple of minutes left with you tonight, Samantha. Once again, this show has flown by as it always does with you on this program. I'm curious.
7: Mm-hmm.
3: Do you know when your contact is going to happen?
7: My so, next one. Yeah. I would assume sometime in the next week or so, judging by everything you and I have talked about.
3: So they don't give you like a timeline, let's say next Tuesday at 9.40 p.m. Make sure you're wearing your pajamas.
7: (laughs) That is the main reason I don't sleep naked anymore, yes. But, sorry, had to lighten the mood. Um, Yeah, they don't necessarily work like that because maybe these beings don't have the same principles of day and night because a lot of them are living on craft or living in different dimensions where their hours of day aren't necessarily on a 24 hour clock and they don't necessarily understand our system of breaking down time rather they'll come see you when things are energetically right or when they have planned to come see you whether it's the right point in your health or ovulation cycle or whatever
3: mm-hmm.
7: it's just it's very different
3: do you find then that That when you're going through that, and we say this as my final question of the night to you, my dear, do you Mm -hmm. find when you're going through something like that, that you're just always prepared now? They don't catch you off guard?
7: Oh, God, no. Dave, you know me. I startle all the time.
3: I I know that, but I'm trying to build a question as a journalist like (laughs) I don't know the answer. You threw me under the bus there. Sorry.
7: Sorry. No, think of it this way. When it comes to having contact, um, any of you could be walking throughout your house and when you walk through a living room, you might see a being standing there or you might see a being um, at your kitchen table or you might see a being that's outside standing by your tree, whether it's looking at you or looking elsewhere. It is very common for these beings to be moving around and to doing their own thing. Now, often they'll be cloaked in their appearance so you may not necessarily sense them or see them, but sometimes their focus gets so intensely aware of something else that they forget to hold a certain vibrational resonance and you may see them momentarily it doesn't mean that they were intending for you to have contact at that moment although quite often when it comes to contact you can't say it's just going to be next Tuesday at 9 o'clock in my experience it doesn't work that way my contact I'm trying to determine the pattern in it although a friend of mine Casey did point out that most of my contacts used to happen between Thursday and Sunday so those are the days I tend to expect it more than Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I'm so grateful he pointed that out.
3: All right. You hold on, Samantha. i got to wrap this thing up. If you're listening in on the terrestrial radio side of Spaced Out Radio, you hear Mr. Ron Bumblefoot Thaw rocking us out of tonight's show. Bumblefoot, the official music of Spaced Out Radio. Tomorrow night, Lorian Fenton joins us. We're talking everything from... (laughs) contact to experiences to black ops and everything in between 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern time at spacedoutradio.com samantha Moet will be back next on may 9th the second tuesday of may so make sure you are there with us I want to thank everyone who participated in the chat room tonight along with twitter and hashtag spaced out radio way to make it a great night everyone Remember, you can download this show and others off our YouTube channel, Spaced Out Radio Show, iTunes, tune in, radioguide.fm, talk stream live, and on Stitcher. We are back in exactly 21 hours from now. I hope you take the time to join us as well. Thank you so much for participating. Let's own the night together. Do me a friend. Do me a favor. Tell a friend. Let's make this bigger and better. Have a good one. Good night.